All right, welcome everybody back to Nashville. We are back in our home studio. Happy to be here for week eight. Uh, we have some very exciting guests on this week. Um, <laughs> we have Will Disley, a tight end from the Seahawks. Obviously, we have GK, the one and only. And then for our charity organization, we have the Nature Project. So Cooper Helfett, who was a tight end, so was. we love that. Played on two Super Bowl teams for the Seattle Seahawks. And played lacrosse. We'll discuss that later. Yep. Um, and then we also have uh, Ryan Miller from the Tulalip Tribe in Washington. Um, and so we're going to be talking about the organization and how NFL athletes, the athletic ambassadors, have gone in and really made a big difference in their lives. Um, just to preface, uh, your girl was on a bit <laughs> of a fiery streak uh, when we filmed the last part, so um, stick a little, around. Little hot over stick there. around for the mindful minute because I'm serving up some. Sh- <laughs> anyway, good spice. to have you guys I'm serving here. Up some spice. Welcome to week eight. Hidden so let's Pearls roll podcast. right into the uh, quote corner. All right, so uh, we'll talk about the mindful minute there, but uh, the step seven in that is about uh, courageous action, and so we wanted a couple courage quotes just to kind of get us off. So, so it, cheers, cheers to courage. Cheers to courage, because it is. So Bruce is using his Punisher cup, and I have the Preds. Hey, yay! I'm just kind of getting in the Halloween mood. I Nature was, boy. Uh, I always want to be able to kind of do something with that. I don't know what, but anyway. Okay, uh, here we go. Uh, the uh, quote corner. Woo! Uh, do you want to read the first one? Yeah. Okay. I'll read the second one, and then we'll just chat for a minute. So just I'm going to read them both. Oh. I learned that courage was not the absence of fear, but the triumph over it. That was Nelson Mandela. I'm going to read it again. I learned that courage was not the absence of fear, but the triumph over it. Oh, that's so good. And then our second one is by Sir Winston Churchill. Uh, fear is a reaction. Courage is a decision. So fear is a reaction. Courage is a decision. Okay, so I want to do the second one first. So the fear is reaction, courage is decision. So when we talk about mindfulness, we're encouraging that. It is about, right, we are creating space. Thank you. We're creating space from the stimulus, whatever got you triggered, to your reaction. No, we're going to choose. So it's going to be a choice. And so the closer whatever we do, our action to the stimulus is, it's typically a reaction when we can spread that out and get a little bit further. So fear is a reaction, right? Somebody jumps out, scares you, you jump, or you know, bears coming out of the woods, whatever, and you run and all that kind of stuff. It's typically a reaction. Courage, though, is this thought process, and it really fits into mindfulness. That's why I like this quote, is that it, it's, it's a response. It's a chosen decision. And it's in the face of fear. And that's what the first part says. I learned Nelson Mandela, right? His whole story incarcerated forever and ever as a political prisoner. I learned that courage was not the absence of fear, but the triumph over it, right? That is being able to perform, being able to continue, being able to go on, being able to act even when we are scared. And also addressing that it's okay to be afraid. No doubt. Like feel the fear, feel it. And what is causing it? Like have a courageous moment where you can sit there and put words, put emotions, put names to the feelings that you're feeling. Right. And remember, feelings are just feelings. I mean, we they don't can have be really to assign so, many, so much meaning to yeah, that. Yeah, don't spend a big story about it. Just interpret. That's what mindfulness does. Helps us see it, understand it, think about it. Okay, I'm feeling kind of scared. Of course, if it's really frightening, you're not going to do that. But if you can spread it out a little bit, and then that's where courage gets to be a decision. So encouragement this week. So the things in your life that are causing you problems, we talked about stepping out of your comfort zone, but maybe there's other things. Um, and we talk a little bit about justice later in the courageous action piece. Uh, for the mindful minute. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. So just encouragement this week to maybe when 
you know, push yourself out there to be courageous in those moments, even when you are scared. So it's okay. Some of the greatest heroes in the world perform their greatest acts terrified. Terrified. But they kept stepping forward. They kept moving forward and they kept acting because that's what they believed in and that's what they did because they had something they believed in, they were passionate about and they cared about it and they wanted to make a difference and so they had to do what they had to do. So here's that encouragement. Rolling it. Yeah, get get out there. So feel the fear and do it anyway. I think that's what like... I think, and we talk about this later, but like the process of like maturing and internalizing what these sayings, what these quotes actually are, instead of just letting them be quotes where they're like kind of in one ear and out the other, it's something you just scroll past. It's like, how do you actually like feel this quote in your body? And for me, it's like, it's okay to be afraid. Like, I think something that really helped me was uh, one time I had uh, this mentor of mine And she was explaining how everybody thinks that like fear or failure is over here and that success is over here. And it's not. It's like if you're here, failure is all along the road and then success is over there. They're not opposites. They're like literally just on this path, you know, and whether it's a linear or a circular path, BK. We're kind of into circles. We're into circles. But they're all part of it and it's part of the process and it's it's seeing the fear being okay with it and then deciding, not reacting, deciding what you're going to do with that um, and then making making your choice. Yeah, so action step this week, which usually I put in the mindful minute, but honestly, I forgot it. So, uh, but we'll just think about it because we're still talking about courage. So think this week. So when you hear, if you're hearing this and listening, think about things that maybe scare you in your life and um, because we all have some of them and that's okay. And then just think about maybe one or two things that you can do this week that you could step into that just a little bit more. Embrace your fear. Don't resist it. Embrace yeah. it. Go behind it. Like Turn decide the- what is worth being afraid of. Yeah, because it- I can be afraid of a hard conversation, but I am more afraid of ruining a relationship with that person than telling them exactly how I feel or what I need as a person and recognizing those emotions because that like brushing it under the rug shit is what causes trauma and what causes a relationship to split. And so if I look at a person and I'm like, okay, no matter how badly you're pissing me off, I'm going to say it straight to your face and I'm not going to put all of this extra emotion or ego behind it. Like black and white, this is how I feel. Let's work through it. Let's talk about it. Like that is significantly less terrifying to me than losing somebody I really care about. Right. And I'll, for, but maybe for you, the conversation itself is really terrifying. And, oh, and, and that's taken a long time to get there because yeah, those are really because hard. I have this in my face every day. <laughs> yeah, that's what she gets so angry about. So anyway, just that's en- not true. Encourage now we don't get angry at each other. Encouragement to, this week to just pick something and again embrace it, shake hands with it, talk to it, say, "Hey, I'm kind of scared of you. Can we get to know each other a little bit?" And just work through it, and then try to take one step. One step. Remember, one of our quotes is. Repeated steps all in the same direction lead us to amazing results. That's the step of overcoming it. So with courage, just take, even if it's a small step, you're still going in the right direction. You're taking a step. So, and especially let's just embrace it because it's Halloween week. Like, okay. We said this in the last episode, but do you have a little music thing for that? I do. That's not it. Okay. There you go. But so it's Halloween, right? There's some witchy shit going down, especially because the second full... So there's two full moons this month, right. which means that the second full moon <laughs> is on Halloween and it's a blue moon. And that doesn't... Ha- that happens like what? Every 25 years? Is that what you said? Yeah. Well, there no- is... No matter what you believe in, this time of the year holds a bunch of power 
and you can use it and channel it and manifest it. And even if that is literally buying a journal and writing about stuff, it's a big deal. So, um, okay. So thank you so much. And with <laughs> Here's that. Here's a week of courage. Hey, yay. Let's get our favorite 49ers on. Three, two, one. All right, welcoming our NFL superstars. Uh, week eight, we have 49ers at Seattle, and we are honored this week to have another player in the tight end fraternity from Seattle joining us today, Will Disley. Welcome, Will, and thank you Woo-hoo. so much for being with us. Um, so Will is a tight end with Seattle Seahawks. He was selected in the fourth round of the NFL draft in 2018, originally from Bozeman, Montana. Love Montana. Oh. So wild. Um, You need a Carhartt deal, man. That's what what we got to get you. Um, He played his college football for the Washington Huskies. And in Mm. 2013, his high school football team won the state championship. And he was named Montana Gatorade High School Player of the Year. He is listed at 6'4", 260. Is that right? 260? Sheesh. You know? (laughs) <laughs> yeah mine says 250 i couldn't tell you the last time i weighed 250 so all right cool. so uh will originally committed to boise state but followed high school coach, no, head, head coach. or head coach Sorry. chris peterson to washington after peterson took the head coach position originally played defensive end in college but was discovered after running a route during practice for a bowl prep the next spring he switched to tight end yeah really oh, we're gonna have that's, to unpack is that true that is that the right bit. story yeah, did can i find we, that can right? we uh can we unpack that so welcome will but uh please tell us the story behind that yeah that's pretty good research you did there well, uh yeah it was funny i was playing d-line uh true freshman and then you know it was my sophomore year didn't really play a whole lot i was just trying to find the field and you know we were in a bowl game and messing around with so many bowl practices it was later in the year and i was like let me just jump into this offensive drill i think it was like seven on seven or something. He's like, all right, go run five yards, turn around. They threw me the ball. I caught it and I like threw it back. That was really fun. And the senior receiver, I think Jadon Mickens, he was like, Hey man, you just got yourself a spot on the offense. And I was like, (laughs) this is the bull practice. Like we're just having fun out here. And sure enough, Pete was like, you want a couple of plays in this game? And I was like, yeah, for sure. Like, let's do it. And then, uh, you know, springtime made the full transition and now we're, we're rocking the Seahawks. It's kind of crazy. Oh, that's really cool. That's wow. a pretty rapid what, hey, transition. Yeah, that's really cool. Well, uh, what, then what did you, what, did you play both sides of the ball in high school then? Or, yeah, yeah, I played both ways. Um, UW you, was actually the only college to recruit me to play D-line. So Pete Kukowski has Bozeman ties and, um, okay. you know, went there. And then, you know, we switched. The, the transition was, you know, kind of kind of tough. I think the biggest thing is the offense really going from D-line. It's you know, go rush the passer, man. It's not that hard. And then the complex offense was, was yeah. probably the toughest part, but that came easy. And then, you know, we kind of just worked our way to where we are now. And did your high, did you have regular attached tight end in high school? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, I was in line, just catching a lot of balls. I've been fortunate enough to have some really good quarterbacks in my career. So yeah. um, they make it look good. And, uh, you know, three's no exception for sure. Right. Yeah, it sure helps having, yeah, somebody that can throw you the rock. That's pretty good. So as a Very tight cool. end, um, how was it for you guys? Let's talk a little bit of National Tight End Day. Um, Will, how was it for you? GK, obviously, congratulations on starting a national holiday. That's pretty sick. You and Batman yep. over there. Um, what was it like Don't for both of one. you? I mean, it was sweet. I didn't get a t-shirt. You what? did not? What? Yeah, dude. Oh. Wow. podcast. True. You know? Tight end one. That's the only tight end t-shirt I we'll have. We'll get you one so of these. We'll get you our hidden pearls one. 
Yeah, dude, I don't know why they didn't. I think they did because they didn't send him to the Thursday night football teams. Either. Like, I don't think the Giants or the Eagles got him either. I was like, that's right. yeah. What are we doing? It's national. It, national Titan Day is actually it's every day. Just the NFL puts a limit on us by only making it the fourth Sunday. Yeah, I didn't know. We party three sixty five, but thank you. Right. Tight, yeah, yeah. Dude, I think anybody, any tight end, will attest to the fact that it should be three hundred sixty five days a year. Well, we, but, we, we especially we tight end families and friends. Yes, I agree. There's no doubt. We're we'll avid you, celebrators. I'll work, I'll work on the shirt though. I'll tweet at them. You know, kind of get the fire started under their asses. Send me some t-shirts. Well, so then, okay. Well, what is the best part about playing tight end? Oh, I mean, you know, from my perspective, we're basically a glorified offensive lineman, right? And so every time I score a touchdown, I give the ball to O lineman for them to celebrate because essentially we block and then we also get to score touchdowns. So that's my favorite part is like, I feel like every time we score and we get celebrated, national tight end day could be national extra alignment day because you know, we're out there grinding. And then when we score, it's, it's ex- extension of the O line is kind of how I, I view it. So um, that's my favorite part of celebrating with the guys. Yeah. yeah that is, Aww, that's yeah, awesome. Getting us to getting like an off lineman to spike the balls. Got, that's got a lot of energy behind it too. No, no, like, no, the whole, the whole line celebrates together too. Yeah, no, that's this year, but this year, I mean, I scored late. We didn't get that trend going early and the guy just didn't know. What to do with it. it was such a weak spike. Low T, man. Low T. Still working on it. Working on it. A few more to come. Bigger spikes coming. Okay. Hey, we had we had one. Uh, we had like a fourteen or eighteen play drive because we had a couple penalties in it and stuff, and we scored a touchdown. I think this was two weeks ago, and we had the ball. I think it was Lakin, and he was so tired that the spike just kind of like fell. Oh. <laughs> it was it was a brutal one because we were all just exhausted. Good work, man. They work. That's what I'm saying. They do work. They ne- ne- never miss a play. Well, then what's the hardest part? The hardest part about playing, playing tight, tight end, end, yeah. Being extent, being this, the sixth man across, being the sixth man, like the offensive line, and you still have to block the same people that they do, but you're 50 pounds lighter. That's pretty hard. That's a little different challenge, yeah. So I, I think the mental side of it, too, because you have to know, every like the quarterbacks don't really need to know what happens in the run game. The wide receivers don't really have to know. They, hey, eight, nine blocking, crack, you know crack the quarter safety. Like we have to know the intricacies of every single play offense and defense pass pro. Yeah. So that's why, that's why we deserve a holiday. Yeah. I'd say that too. You know, and the one thing about being on the edge though, well, here, here. cause then you Cheers. get the changes from the D line, the linebackers and the safety and the secondary, Brother. you know what I mean? I think that's one of the most confusing areas to play cause they do so many different things on that edge and you got to be able to identify it and know what to do. So yeah, yeah, we just played the Patriots and we didn't get a single look that we got script. We scripted in practice. <laughs> Every, you say that every, every week, though. Every, no, this was more. This was more different. Like I've never seen this many looks before. Like they just had guys everywhere at different positions. Where it's like, like they'd have a nickel in at Mike linebacker, and the Mike would be on the ball outside, and then they'd flip it two plays later. I had like I had a D tackle playing end on me at one point. It's like what is going on? All right. Yeah, yeah. I was watching film from their uh, last year's season, and they had a linebacker playing free technique. Yeah, like, in, like air front. And I was like, what is going on? <laughs> Oh. They just throw random guys and it works somehow. It's it's absolutely crazy. I don't know. After last week, maybe they'll go back to what they script. So we'll see. But okay. How about good. that, boys? All right. Will, uh, one of your favorite things about uh, Seattle? The I rain. Mean, it's got to be the rain. Oh, well, either one. I, I was thinking the you know, the city, but whatever you want to Let's go with. city and then team. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah. Seattle's been my home for a minute now. I've been here, you know, UW, 
going on year three. So I've been in Seattle for seven years. This is right. pretty much my home away from home. And like, it's, it's the best. I mean, it's big city, but then you have mountains and then you have water. Honestly, that's my favorite part is getting out on the water, whether it's uh paddleboarding or going boating. Like those are the best days. Is this, especially as, like satellite, like you have to take advantage of the sunny days. So if it's sunny, I'm on the water hundred percent. Do you sail like sailboat sailing? No, I want to get into it though. You should. I think it, that sounds sick. What's the, as a Seattleite, what's your go-to form of water play? I mean, we do a lot of wake surfing. Ooh. So when you get behind a boat, it's slower. So if you crash, it doesn't, it's not like wakeboarding where you wreck hard. So it's like, you know, you can still have fun, but it's a little safer, you know? Hmm. I like it. Sure. Yeah. Kind of like, it's like water skiing, except you're a little tighter, right? Is that the idea? Yeah. So you're right. You're like essentially right, right next way. to the boat. Gotcha. And then the wake pulls you. So you don't even need a rope. And so it's not that fast. And like, you know, you can still do like 180s and 360s and whatever. But like, if can you, you do wreck, 360s? Yeah. Can you I mean, do that? Yeah, Kids been on the water his whole life. So. <laughs> oh, dude, that's sick. Hey, send us a video so we can post a highlight Please. or something. Please. Yeah, I'll yeah. Go post a highlight. Okay. So, question okay, off of that. So, sick. being from Montana, then, did you like snow sports? Like, do you snowboard as that transitioned or is that. Yeah, so, well, I have to Extreme say this. Extreme like, sports in general. I played basketball, so, like, didn't really do a ton of the snowboarding, and then I hated going because if you live in Montana, you have to be good at skiing or snowboarding. So, every time I would go with my friends, they were, like, essentially doing 360s, going off cliffs, like, fresh powder, backpacking, and I'm like, guys, this is my second time skiing ever, like can't do that <laughs> Relax. So, i mean it was intense and like you know i just want to be the best and I, there's no way i was catching those guys they have like trampolines in their backyards they're doing tricks like i mean it looks sweet but i definitely could not do that especially at 200 you know 50 pounds or whatever we were at so right. a little different load to it was carry. Crazy. so water's a little bit safer i think so yeah okay well very good all right uh then how about uh will do you remember the first time you met george and where was it and what was going on? Was that Nashville, bro? Oh, yeah. That was so it was the first ever uh, Nashville FC soccer game. Yeah, and that's was, what it was. Yeah, yeah. I was with my buddy Caleb. Um, Caleb Who's our neighbor? Caleb's our neighbor. Yeah. And so, I mean, I remember we just went and they, they lost, but it was the most fun loss I've ever been a part of. It was stick. It was a great time. <laughs> it was yeah. really fun. Yeah, no, then we met at a then we met at a bar downtown Nashville after that. That was yeah, like dude, that, but that was like the last thing that we all did before the shutdown. Wasn't yeah, it? before coronavirus shut everything down crazy. Yeah, because right. Corona was just kind of getting to, out there. You bring it to Nashville with you, Will? Oh no, all right, ready for this? It's <laughs> a conspiracy theory. That's that's super I creepy. just learned how no, to do that. Hey, I'll, Swag, you wore a white furry sweatshirt. That was super dope. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was cold. It was cold at the game, man. It was super cold, Doc. We went right to the bars. We talking like a shag rug kind of look thing, or yeah, yeah. okay. I think it worked. Yeah, I mean, sick. I loved it. You have a lot of confidence. It works. I'm gonna flash a picture up. We have one of you guys together. All right, so we'll put that up. So, okay, Uh, Will, just spinning back to we were talking about tight ends. Just update us on that picture, man. What? Say that again. In the, if you flash the picture, it's Gatorade in that cup, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. yeah. That's, all they, um, that's all they. That's all they serve at uh, 
that what what is that bar? Luke Bryan's? Yeah, I was super hydrated that night. Yep. Was that one of your first, first trips to Nashville? Or? Yeah, never been. I, I like it. I think yeah. I could get along real good out there. Are you coming this next off season, you think? Yeah, I have to. I mean, I think I, you know, I was down at Hermosa Beach training, you know, getting back from the Achilles tear. So I think now that I can just train, I might come out with the boys and, and work out in Nashville. Caleb seems to like it. You'd be, you be throwing videos up. I kind of like the work you guys do. I might have to do it. Okay, wait, we need to rewind. So So can we talk Achilles? Because BK has exploded both of his Achilles. Yeah, I've had both mine done, but yeah, when. Honestly, like the biggest thing is like everyone hears Achilles and they're like career over. You know what I mean? Just like growing up, that's what I always thought. But like nowadays, with the way medicine and the way people are rehabbing these days, like I had zero doubt that I was coming back. So I would just encourage BK, man. He's good. You just got to dedicate and, and go. Oh, yeah. Mine are years back. So, but yeah, I still that you've seen. Just dedicate, Bruce. Yeah. You're pretty young, though, with it. You know what I mean? So, like, yeah, I was uh, one of my fifth, early 50s and one of my late 50s. So, they're about four years apart. But they both popped, yeah. So, it's more that first three months sucks. But and once you get going again, it's all right. Did you have a little scooter? I did, yeah. yeah. I posted a picture. I would appreciate like, it. I'll, I'll flash a photo of that, too. Yeah, give us that. Okay, uh, let's see. Who else is in the Seattle tight end room? So we know Greg Olson's there, and you want to run us through who are the other comrades in there? Yeah, you think National Tight End Day? We had four, you know, some yeah. of the best in the league. I think I think our room's pretty deep. You got myself, and then the big Go, and then um, Super Bowl champ Luke Wilson, and then uh, Jacob Hollister, uh, who's a stud. He, you know, he stepped up last year after I went down and played really well, and you know, helped the team a lot. So it's it's a fun crew. Um, and then we, you know, we have some really cool rooks too that are coming along. I'm back. Um, sorry. Okay. And do they, uh, do they usually go four active for game day? I think, yeah, I think we've been four active a couple of times. It's just, it's just nice for shoddy to, uh, you know, if we have a heavy, you know, 12 personnel plan or 13 right. and just to have bodies and then we all play special teams and I don't know, it's fun. We party on sideline. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. That's good. Yeah. Tight end, they are kind of, uh, they're a different element. I've sat in a lot of O-line rooms and then sat in tight end rooms, some of the D-line rooms, but yeah, they're they're just a little different beat to them. So that's pretty cool. So, well, good. All right. Uh, well, we, I had a little note down here just about, um, so now third year in the league, so you've been around some people both at Seattle and then obviously played people and off the field and all that. So do you have one or two kind of characters? And you know what I mean? Like, players that kind of got your attention or whatever and whether they're great or not, but I mean, who, who's maybe one of your two favorite kind of characters in the league that you've gotten to know? I mean, that's a good question. I think, I mean, Kittle's probably the biggest character. I mean, the guy's clowning every time. <laughs> I don't know. You know, WWE loves it. And then in my next guy, just cause I have a D linebacker is Frank Clark. And that yeah. guy, I mean, he'll talk shit to anyone. So I mean, yes. I love that guy. There was fun appreciation when he was here, just watching his D-line moves, watching him work. Okay. Um, you know, he grinds. And uh, so it was really fun to watch him. And obviously following him, you know, last year with the Chiefs was, was really cool, really cool for him. All right. Well, and you've obviously seen some very good players on both sides of the ball in your, your years. Have you found any kind of common themes about great players? I mean, are there a couple attributes that you would, you know, that you think are consistent kind of no matter where you play that – you know, people that rise to the top and that compete at the highest level? Are there things that you might have seen or kind of experienced? Yeah, I mean, I think you take anyone that's great and it's it starts, you know, with their, you know, their mental approach to the game. I think at this level, everyone is super athletic, super big, super fast. But what separates most people is 
the mental aspect. And I don't have to look very far. I mean, obviously Russ, you know, is the biggest proponent for, you know, mental toughness, mental um, training that there is in the league. And so I think that's the biggest separator for, you know, good to great is, is the mental preparation and something that I focus a lot on. It's really cool. I mean, we have Mike Gervais, um, you know, who works with Pete and their competes create and working with them and just trying to get, you know, as mentally, you know, sharp as I can. It's, it's pretty fun to watch and, and learn about. All right. Do you mind sharing just a little bit about kind of your mental prep? Like, what do you, what do you, you know, I don't want to get too many trade secrets. So I don't, I mean, I get that, but like, are you a meditator, mindfulness, breath work, visualization, any of the, like, what are the kind of components? Yeah. Of yeah. Stuff? So I think, uh, well, I mean, mindfulness for sure. Um, I do a ton of visualization, which started back when I was doing track in high school, just, um, being able to see, you know, kind of like the future almost like you try and predict plays. I don't know, George, if you do this like night before game and just try and visualize, you know, you, you know, when the ball is going to come to you. So you visualize those plays, mm-hmm. you visualize the throws that could happen. And, you know, I think that helps, you know, me prepare the most. And then just aside from that is just meditating, um, with the stresses of the season. Um, and especially, you know, kind of what I've, what I've gone through just past two injuries and, you know, the hard places I was in, you know, meditation helped me get out of some tough spots. So, you know, all three of those things are, are really cool and, and stuff that I take advantage of. Yeah, that's great. And I know as a team, Coach Carroll's really involved in that, obviously, with Gervais there. Do you guys do team set organ? I mean, is there organized stuff as a team or do you guys just talk about it? Or how does how does Gervais kind of, you know, infiltrate you guys' minds? Yeah, uh, I mean, not to give too much away, but right. it's no, the, way we talk. Yeah. the way we talk to each other is, is pretty special. Um, you know, I, I think it's funny when I see, you know, fans get mad at people, uh, like guys who players who are yelling at each other on the sidelines, but there's this level of respect and there's this level of understanding that we're all trying to go to the same place. Yeah. The way we communicate in practice, you know, it's as positive as possible. We try and limit the negative talk of, you know, things are going sideways and that correlates to, you know, when we're on the field. And so when you see us spatting with each other, it's not a negative thing. It's, we're all trying to go to the same place. We, we practice that speech, the way we talk when we see a guy miss assignment or a guy do something wrong, it's positive and it's constructive. And we try and we try and just teach that and preach that. So that way when we're out on the games, um, you know, we're rolling together. Yeah. I think that's one thing for people that haven't been in a team setting like that and or played or coached or whatever, the level of accountability between each other kind of is at a level and the stakes are so high and people are so competitive that that accountability piece, I think, would drive a lot of people crazy. They couldn't take it because there's not very, I mean, I know most sports do that kind of thing, but in football, sitting in a meeting room, having a coach go through it and be there with your peers and or the head coach and or on the sideline, that kind of stuff. So, okay. So a lot of positive mindset, looking toward the future, no negative self-talk. So all, I want to ask good stuff. something about this because um, we've talked about this before on the podcast, but GK is insanely superstitious and is very, very regiment about his routines do you have, are you kind of that way? Like, can you talk about like routine superstition? Like, do you have anything like that? That's, you know, just kind of the nuts and bolts of you. I mean, I'm not superstitious, but I'm definitely a little stitious for sure. <laughs> uh, sick, sick reference. <laughs> that's pretty good. Yeah, I, like yeah. it. I love it. Uh, love for it. me, it's, 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 uh, honestly the, the on the field before the game, similar to like the visualization, like, trying to run routes, trying to see the plays that I'm going to get, you know, before, you know, we even put pads on, I'm, I'm running those routes. I'm getting a feel for the grass and how it's going to feel. And that's the biggest thing. I think, uh, 
you know, haircuts, you know, I hadn't gotten a haircut until, uh, you know, obviously we went down in, in Arizona. So fresh off a haircut here and that's, that's a big one, <laughs> right. but, uh, it's a good one. I, yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, your playoff period will be strong when we get there, but, uh, no, I mean, superstitions are interesting. You, you know, you gotta, you gotta, you have your rituals and just make sure you're feeling as good as possible. But, you know, honestly, I listen to Kobe Bryant and Kobe Bryant's like, you can't, you can't have the same routine every time because, some days your emotion is going to be up. Some days it's going to be down. You can't listen to the same music every time. So I, I actually kind of believe into that. It's kind of, you have to have you know really good mindfulness about who you are and where you're at that day mm-hmm. and just kind of go with the flow. I think that's a great point. The, the point about being mindful and just the more you know yourself and kind of where you're at, both emotionally, physically, and mentally, it does, it can dictate kind of where you go and what you need to do for that particular game prep. So well, that's great. Good question. Yeah, thank you very much for sharing that. That's really interesting stuff. I think people are kind of fascinated by that whole piece. Okay. And also, if this is kind of sparking you, like uh, he has a whole book, right? What's their whole? Yeah, uh, create to compete or compete to create. I can't compete remember to which. create. There's a whole book, yeah. like an audio book and a whole program. So if this is something that y'all are curious about, please, please look it up because yeah. it is working very they, well for NFL athletes. Yeah, and they got an online class that you can sign up for and do, and it's actually pretty reasonable that way too. So another great one if you want a, a great book. It's a great Audible book. It's only by Audible, but Kevin Hart's got a book called The Decision, but it's all on the mindful prep stuff, and it's it's very Kevin Hartish. You know, it's kind of sarcastic Funny. and all that shit, but he really gets to some pretty good stuff. So anyway, if you're looking for a – you know, on a road trip or something, it's a pretty fun one to kind of listen to. So, okay. So let's see, we've done a whole bunch of that kind of stuff. And then, uh, let's just jump down. Anything about the, how was COVID for you? I mean, I'm not COVID, but I mean, off season and all that, how different was all that and the preparation and empty stands and all that kind of stuff? Or are they letting people in at Seattle or not? I don't, I don't know. Not yet. So they okay. just, I thought we were going to have fans for this game, but, uh, they said no fans one more time. So, okay. um, we'll see. I think, uh, you know, COVID, especially, I mean, just going back to the mindfulness, I think COVID really showed you where you were at, you know, it kind of took away, you know, your busyness. And so when you really get down to the nuts and bolts of who you are and just hanging out by yourself, you kind of got to figure out who you were. And I, I actually appreciate the time to just slow down and just shows me what was important. You know, who was I calling my family, my friends, you know, what was I doing training for the sport that I love? Like, all that really, you know, kind of just solidified that this is, you know, where I want to be and what I want to be about. So I actually kind of appreciated COVID for what it was. I know it wasn't a lot of fun for a lot of people. It was really tough and challenging, but I think, you know, honestly, when it does clear, we're all going to come out on the better side for sure. Okay. Yeah. It certainly uh, developed some attributes with people on resilience. Space to get to know yourself. Yeah. A little space. It's, Hard to listen when there's so much noise. So it's good to have a little bit of. Quiet. Have you guys played a game with fans? We had fans in Miami, no. and then we just had fans in Arizona. You haven't played a game with fans yet? No, we're over. It is still well. We had three home games in a row, and then the only other two away games were New York, and then where did we just get back from? New England. New England was supposed to have fans, but then when the then their players got it, they shut that down. Yeah, makes sense. Like our first game with fans is New Orleans in three weeks. All right. We're hoping to be there. I mean, I'm missing that. Fans are fun. That's why we play, right? Oh, dude. It's, sure. a, it's a coliseum. You feel like a gladiator <laughs> out there. Yeah, there's no yeah. – uh, when people are roaring and big plays and just, and just you know, fourth quarter drives, you know, it's just unbelievable when the fans are rocking. Well, like, I will say, like, the offense is at much more of an advantage now. Oh, like, yeah. Because there's yeah. – de- especially if you're on the road, when there's no crowd on third down – um, the defense like can't jump the count. Like they don't know. 
Like it's just, it's so much. You can use a hard count with 30 seconds left in the fourth quarter. Like you can't do that. If you're playing like Niners at Seattle, Sunday night football, fourth quarter, like you can't. Yeah, you're not oh yeah. Nice, nice, nice. But yeah, no, you can't, you can't hear shit. Yeah, no doubt. So it's very different. So, okay. So, well, well let's speaking of stadiums and oh, how oh. we get into them, uh, let's transition over to the fashion oh, preview. Yeah. So, uh, oh. super excited. Um, what? That was a smooth transition. Well, thank right? you. Really thank nice. you. Okay. So obviously, Will, we know you're into your furs, um, but what other fashion tips, kind of fashion, uh, just advice or swag that you want to bring to the show what would what would you like to share with us and what do you got for game day okay so i'm a kid from montana so i have almost zero fashion sense so what i i do is i essentially my buddy's girlfriend she picks out my game day fits <laughs> shout out laura she throws them together i mean i, I just laura. buy random stuff and she makes it work like i don't know i just got these boots huh? um you know what so are we'll they they can come up with. are they red wing they're uh, no, I, Red Wing, I'm like, I'm mad at Red Wing right now, you guys. Oh. Okay, so I'm, I would love to be a sneakerhead. I would love to be. But all shoe companies just stop making cool shoes at 15. So, like, i just given up the dream, you guys. These are uh, Danner, made in USA. So, oh, yeah. there we go. So, you're a size 15. Yeah, it's tough life out here. I'm 14. Wow. Georgie's a And th- I know how hard George. it is for him to get shoes. Yeah, George is a 13. Yeah, but Danner, they make... They make big boots. They, they yeah, sizes. Yeah. I've had, like, can, we show, can we show them again? Right? Yeah, can hold them up a little bit. Let's, get, let's, get, a let's get all the angles. Ooh, Ooh yeah. American made. We got the white soles. Now, will you wear? The, is that a game day shoe? This will be, yeah, these will be game day fit. We'll probably go a little P and W. Maybe throw like Filson in there. Okay. I don't know. We'll see what happens. We'll see what Laura can come up with. Hopefully, it's something cool. Okay, but you kind of go. Otherwise, I'd be wearing sweatshirts and a beanie. So okay, but I'm kind of here. Sounds more. great. Is it is it kind of a lumberjackish type of woodsman type thing, for the most part? Yeah, I mean, walk us I through think the outfit. Be, okay, yeah, I mean, well, who knows? So we'll probably probably have a little flannel in it. You know, we're just gonna go beanie flannel with some boots, maybe some dark jeans. Who knows? Okay. I don't know. I, Laura puts it together, you guys. I literally have zero say because I have zero fashion sense. Okay. So we're gonna okay. see what she puts together. You can kind of see if you go through the weeks. Fashion just changes, and it has nothing to do with my decision making. It's all, it's all her. Do you feel though, so like, not her. okay? So let's talk because since you're from Montana, like Montana to me, and I have not spent like I'm not from Montana, but whenever I've been to Montana or Wyoming, I'm like, this is the Wild West. Like crazy shit goes down out here. People have no limit. Like there is no law out here. Um, do you feel like fashion has changed for you since coming to Seattle? Like, are there more flannels? Was, are there less flannels? Like what's your. So like for me, it had to, it had to make sense to wear it. Right. I feel like you guys can appreciate like Iowa, like cold. Right. So I'm not wearing it unless it's keeping me warm or like the shoes are quality. Like that's all I care about. I don't care what colors they are. So when I came to Seattle, I would go out to like, you know, totally. a bar or a restaurant. I would be wearing, you know, my big Carhartt jacket. Survival gear. And people, yeah. People would be like, what is this guy doing? It doesn't get below 30 degrees out here. Like, and so I definitely had to switch it up. You get some looks <laughs> and you're like, the Seattle freeze is really, you get some looks and you're like, what is that guy wearing? So, um, you're a little more conscious of it, but still haven't really figured out my style same, yet. I'm, I'm searching. Same, I could use all help. Same theme, but adjusted for the actual climate. 
a little bit more yeah. responsible. Well, you're not going to wear a rain jacket every rain jacket every day. No. Well, so I have a question on that then. So we talked to Cooper later, and you guys are going to hear us talk about this. But have you ever hiked Mount Rainier, or do you have plans to? Any desire to? Yeah, it's on the bucket. It's on the bucket list for sure. You have to like train for it. Right. It's mountaineering. And so, yeah, you have to like. I remember one of our strength coaches at UW did it. He like, like would put rocks in his backpack or weights in his backpack and hike the stadium to like train for this hike. And then you have to like go over survival, like do a survival test. I, I mean, I would love to do it, but like probably not going to get it done while I'm playing because it's just dedication to hike the whole thing. I might do some base hikes. There's uh, the Fremont Lookout. looks pretty sweet. I might try that one a little bit kind of in my range, not quite as aggressive. Okay. I think I can do the ice climbing thing. I did do some ice climbing when I was younger, so I think I can get that portion done, but the just 10 to 20 miles, like I don't know if I can, I can do that right now. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a long... The whole joint health thing, that's a pretty big deal. Yeah, do you say you did ice climbing when you were younger? Yeah, man. Bozeman that's has sick. world-class ice climbing. Yeah. <laughs> Is that with the spikes like on the shoes and the pickaxe? And like the pickaxe? Yeah, the crampons and the pickaxe. Yeah. I didn't do a ton. I wasn't an avid, but I've de- definitely done it. So... I mean, it's pretty fun. It's kind of, it's very scary. Huh. Ah, feel right. the fear and do it anyway. Embracing fear. Mm. It almost That's sounds sick. courageous. GK, what you got? All right, G. What do you got for fashion? Ooh. Well, first, I'd, sorry, I had to go get my sushi. <clears throat> so that was awesome. Nobody even uh, knew. But I never bring that up. Bring these ones out. I don't know. I think I'm going to wear these this week, either for the travel or not. I'm not sure. Ooh. Ooh. Are they green and purple? Yeah, green and purple. All right. Do you have, I mean, you have a lot of green and purple. You are just flexing very hard into the Joker theme. It's just fun. I enjoy it. I mean, let's just look at George right now. He has a giant Batman thing next to him. I'm not sure what that's called. And then you have purple headphones on that we we bought because they're Joker colored. And we're flexing. I mean, just look at your hair. George, tell us about the shoes, though. What are they? They're a Nike what? Is there a... Uh, They're Jordan 1s. These are mids. Okay. But um, Batman, this is a Funko Pop. So, Will, for this thing, I was at a shoe store here in San Jose, Fix Kicks. And they're like, hey, because like I was buying some shoes. And then this was by the checkout counter. It was like $100. I was like, I'm not going to not buy it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> George is really into collector things. It's like a 16-inch tall Batman. Like, for 100 bucks. why would I not? Who doesn't need one of those? The little things actually fall, like the little ones. Funko Pops. I'm you know saying. Dante has like a ginormous collection of them, right? Does he really? I have like I have a Godzilla yeah. one in my uh, game room, but other than that, these are the only two I have. I mean, I don't know if he still does, but at, he like collected those things. He has a ton of them. Wait, are we <laughs> talking Dante Pettis? Yeah, they went to college yeah. together. Oh, oh, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh. Yeah. What's up, Dante? Fun connection. Okay. No, yeah, they have a. I, the people that collect these things take it super serious. Like they have so many of them. Well, they won't even take them out of the package. No, this is the only, I I have a, my Godzilla one still in the package. So I was like, I don't think I'm supposed to take it out. Don't you? I thought you had a little Batman too. Yeah, you have a little. Oh, I do Batman have a little. I do have a little Batman. Yeah, so so I do have three. Two. Okay, so there's a quasi quasi. Okay, wait. I have one more fashion question. One more fashion question. Yes. Uh, do we have? any idea or do you want to offer any teaser off of halloween costumes like how how, will are you into halloween george george is very into halloween what's your vibe on the on the holiday i'm into it so my brother 
um, actually inspired me. He won a competition. He dressed up as Lego man. He went to a Bobcat football game, MSU, and dressed up as Lego, um, like a Lego man. He like made this helmet. He like created the helmet, and then he won a free trip to Vegas. So he inspired me. I can send you one. The last last Halloween, I was on crutches and I was a gorilla. So it was pretty <laughs> sick. I don't know what I'm going for this year, but um, we'll see what we can do. All right. Please send photos. Yeah. I'll put those up for you. Yeah, shoot sure. us a couple Halloween photos. And That's I'll put up some of GK and Clara. They've been fabulous. Okay. Yeah. Right. No, our, our best one, we did um, Talladega Nights. And oh. uh, yeah, I was I was Ricky Bobby. And uh, she was the, the water guy, uh, the, the Frenchman. Pierre. Pierre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she, Claire has like... Well, she had like she's she put sideburns dark. on. It was it was she looked great. She crushed it. That's awesome. So there you go. Okay, fun. a little Halloween competition, tight end Halloween competition. All right, let's talk football. So, an extension. Okay, here we go. All right, football Niners at Seattle coming up next week or this week Ooh. on Sunday. Uh, Niners rolling in at four and three. Uh, Seattle now five and one after last week. So Seattle wins. I got Atlanta, New England, Dallas, Miami, and Minnesota. Only loss then being to the boys in uh, Arizona. The so, desert. So last week we had Niners over Patriots, thirty-three to six. Uh, George, any kind of upticks or summaries you want to give us on the that game? Uh, we ran the ball thirty-seven times, and whenever we do that, I really enjoy it. So, so worked out. Debo really Samuel's fun. man. Yeah, Debo's really good. Um, it's gonna him being hurt. It's gonna suck, but uh, yeah. I yeah. think we'll be we'll have our own creations and stuff like that. It'll be fun. Um, but yeah, no, running the ball thirty-seven times is. You think was for two hundred? I didn't know this. We had three hundred yards at halftime. Yeah, three oh one. That was or something. that was sick. Like so, I, I thought that and was that was your cool first stat. time playing in Gillette Stadium, right? Yeah, that was our my first time. The whole team's first time there. You know, as part of this. Uh, Besides regime. Jimbo. Yeah, Jimmy. Jimmy had a fun win. Um, but yeah, I will say, Will the desert. It's hard to play down there. Like they they always ball out. Guy, yeah, it was weird, man. Weird stadium. We had some weird years there. I'm pretty sure the Seahawks lost to people in that stadium. So we're not a fan, but I mean, I think we've, we've beaten them there in regular season for a long time. So yeah, we, tough, um, tough my, so my rookie year, we lost there on Larry Fitzgerald score. Like we were up like 14 to 10. We were up like 14 to seven with like no time on the clock. Somehow they get it back. I think it goes to OT. Larry Fitzgerald scores an OT winner in the back of the end zone, like rips it away from two guys. And it was like fourth, like they had to score. We win. We lose that. And then the next time we went, um, we had a chance to win at the end and bad play. Like the ball got loose, like 20 yards in the backfield, lost that game. And then last year we finally got a win. I was like, holy cow, why is it so hard to win here? I mean, yeah, I mean, we, I mean, we were kind of in control of that game the whole time. Similar it was field, wild, like they did. Oh, dude. I, I, I mean, I didn't want to say the field goal, we were like, okay, we got, you know, and then couple penalties we were out of field goal range and it was it was bad news but you know it was a good one good 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 life lessons in that game and you know we'll rebound for, for this week for sure no Almost doubt definitely yeah it's uh it's i'm just it's gonna be a fun game i we it's it's been good the last two years so it's gonna be exciting it's been awesome i love when you guys play each other dude it has been the last two games were wild wild <laughs> absolutely insane yeah, because you guys won in overtime after we missed one in regulation, and then like the overtime, yeah, was, the overtime went back and forth like three times too, didn't it? It was it was like with yeah. forty seconds left. It was almost a tie. Yeah, yeah, wow. that game was. 
That's I mean, Seahawks, you know, we kind of do that. We love just heart-wrenching wins. Right. And you guys like making year. it dramatic. <laughs> yeah, the last I've got my friends, I'll like, never bet on the Seahawks to cover the spread because it's just like, <laughs> we just love those games. We love being in it and we love somehow finding a way. Right. It's very, I mean, and it's been like that for six, seven years. That's just how it always is too. Yeah, it's a good little rivalry for sure. Oh yeah, no, I feel I mean, like I'm just saying Seahawks in general. Like every win yeah. for the last seven years has always been like gut wrenching. You're like, oh my god. I, I think last year we set a record for like most games won. Yeah, like by like touchdown or something. You, like you that. had like ten, you had like ten wins at the end of the season that you won by less than seven points. Like, so like insane. most most yeah. quarters of the season team comeback wins or whatever. It's insane. Nuts. Well, last year's game was certainly. Um, Nail biter because we were up there for that one. Holy cow, that tackle on the half yard line or whatever. So crazy stuff. So well, anyway, so we're looking forward to a good one. Should be great. Everybody's nobody's really healthy, but halfway through the season, so it is what it is. It's NFL football, so but it'll be great. We're playing uh, the battle in Seattle. That's what all the broadcasters say. I hadn't heard that's that really, before. That's clever. Battle, battle in Seattle. Yeah. I'm gonna use that. Well, sure. I'm a limerick. Yeah, hey, you're, if you have media at all this week, just say that. Hey, the battle in Seattle. Right. We're bringing it. Okay, so um, let's. we're going to turn back. So our uh, charity focus this week is uh, the, nature the Nature Project. Project. And again, we already talked about that. Cooper Helfett, who was a former uh, tight end with the Seattle Seahawks on a couple Super Bowl teams back in 13 and 14. Um, so, and I know, Will, we kind of talked about this before that you're familiar, you know, uh, Coop and the Nature Project and that kind of stuff. So just before we kind of get into that, well, we can just kind of jump into that. But just, um, you know, part of this is about service and giving back and those kind of pieces. So tell us a little bit about what you know about the Nature Project, how you got involved and why doing so is important to you. Yeah, I mean, shout out to the tight end family. Cooper, you know, former Seahawk tight end. And uh, I remember it was just a random Sunday. He calls me up and says, hey, you want to help? help out with the nature project, go and, and talk to some kids. And I was like, yeah, sure. So, you know, we took a seaplane out and, you know, went up to Orcs Island and talked to kids and just tried to encourage them to get outdoors and whatever. And just on the way up there, just his story for why he created the nature project really spoke to me just coming from Montana and, and just appreciating the outdoors. You know, it, it did, it made so much sense to try and get as many people outdoors as possible. And he was like, it really, it really came to fruition when like he would take his teammates fishing. I don't know if you've, ever taking, you know, guys fishing or just going hiking and they're like, they so I did a charity golf and fish tournament and most guys were like, I don't want to golf. I just want to do the fishing aspect because they love, like, <laughs> they don't get to do it. They, you know, you know, a lot of my teammates from California, they just don't get outside enough. And so essentially the nature project is created to just, you know, tell kids to get outside. Right. I, I don't know if you talked about nature deficit disorder. We have a fine in our tight end room. So if you're like, get an off day and you don't go outside, you get nature deficit disorder fine. So, <laughs> I love that. Know, That's a good one. I like yeah. that. I've not heard that. Nature deficit. Cool. Right. Yeah, nature. I mean, it's real. I mean, so many kids, man, are like inside playing video games on their phones, making TikToks. We need to make a TikTok challenge to get them out, like hiking or something, like right. get that trending. But basically, like you know, too many kids are online, man. They're 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 spending their days inside, and I just remember growing up and just going outside and playing outside, playing in the creek or in the park or whatever. And that like was so sweet and like, it's so good for your mind. It's so good for, you know, just running around. It's, it's, it's great to get out of nature. And so Coop's out there, he's trying to get kids, um, you know, from the inner cities. So I'm actually doing the nature pass with him 
And so for every catch I, I catch this year, we're sending a kid to an outdoor experience from the inner cities. And I mean, it's just, we're just trying to get kids outside, get them to show them that world, just try and open their eyes a little bit to, you know, get them out of the city a little bit. That's good. And then what's, awesome. it, what's it cost to send a kid? I mean, what, if people are interested in like donating or trying to help with that, how, how have they cut that up? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's a few hundred bucks per kid um, okay. just to send them to camp. Um, we're trying to partner, you know, we're trying to find some, some partnerships to get them some gear and stuff. So I think that's where the cost comes in. Yeah. But, you know, once we find a partner, but, uh, you know, right now it's just, we're just trying to get as many catches as we can to send as many kids as we can. The nature pass. And so, and so for yeah. each one you donate, so each catch you have during a game, you're donating on the nature pass to send a kid. That's pretty good. Yep. That's the plan. All right. How many catches are you at this season? Uh, I don't know. I don't really keep track of stats, man. I keep track of wins. Yeah, there you go. All right, all right. Totally got you on that one. It's a good one. Well, good. Well, we won't keep track of George's, but he'll be making a contribution contribution to try to help that. So we'll be certainly doing that, and and we'll we'll match your passes, maybe, so we can we'll double your donation. How how would that be? So we can. That'd be that'd be awesome. All right, so that'd be really cool. And then uh, maybe we should do that for both of you if you're playing. For all my for all my catches, yeah, I'd love to. Well, yeah. especially we can figure something out, especially when you guys play each other. Did you yeah. play twice? How's that? So, so what do you think? So we can nature pass it for both guys, and uh, yeah, so that'd be for each catch. We're helping the nature projects and uh, inner city kid or you know whatever whoever they screen and want to send out to uh, uh, get them out in the country wild or wherever they send them. Yeah, send them to camp, get them out there, show yeah. them the show them nature. That's pretty cool. All right, That's pretty cool. We'll, we'll, I really appreciate that, guys. Let's get. Done. Okay. Oh yeah. Like it. So all right. Well then uh that's all pretty good. And yeah, oh she's just bumping me about that. All right. Uh so and I know growing up in my town, we grew up in Iowa, we didn't have the mountains and the cool woods and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I grew up camping and fishing and canoeing and all that kind of stuff all the time and tried to rub that off on our two little chitlin here. So it took them. What out. do you mean? You took us to Colorado, we've climbed fourteeners. Yeah, we're, we're we got our outdoorsmen. Yeah. He acts like we're these little city kids. No, I'm not. He keeps throwing us under the bus, even though he literally raised us on an RV. Yeah, well, we tried. So anyway, so all good. So okay, uh, let's see. Your uh, favorite outdoor activity? I want to hear. I want to hear your favorite outdoor activity. Then, what? What's your favorite go-to? Favorite outdoor oh. activity? What do you got, George? Yeah. Okay, for me, I I don't think I don't know if you're asking me, but I'm going to tell you, uh, snowboarding. I love to snowboard. It's the best. That's awesome. awesome. Uh, hiking mountains is what me and my, yeah, we, we did it as a family the whole, my whole life growing up. And then me and my dad go sometimes. That's my favorite thing. Colorado, spend like a week there, get a mountain in. It's very satisfying. It's rewarding. And like when you sit, we're just on top of a mountain. It's a pretty cool feeling. Georgie, how many 14ers yeah. have you done? I'm at 12 to 14 maybe, and or 10 to 10 to 12. Yeah. I mean, you're at I least at 10. Yeah. Yeah. Bruce is at like what? 20 almost. 18. Yeah. So we'll kind of keep working on it. So you guys are view hikers. You want the view, top of the mountain. Yeah. It's just I'm more of like waterfall. I love getting to a waterfall. Ooh, just like see yeah. a water cap, you know? Yeah. That's that is, what I'm into. I do like when you're like halfway up a mountain and there's just a random like pond sitting in like up in the mountains. that's yeah. crystal clear and you're just like, whoa. Yeah. That's yeah. like no, no one's touched that in years. That's, that's so guys, Matt, 
The kids have never even seen that. That's the whole point of this deal. We're trying to get kids to see that and just show them how cool it is. That's the, that's where we're at. Yeah, that was really cool. So, I think and also just like thinking about how, I mean, especially like with the Seahawks and it sounds like what you guys do as an organization and a team and how intentionally every day you're practicing mindfulness. Cooper talked a lot about how nature is such an easy way to reinforce that and to remind us like, like to really just like physically ground us and to show us to show kids and kind of put them into that space where they can be present and off their phones and off the grid and connect to the world around them. And like just a, a, a literal act in being present. And so it's super cool. And I hope, I hope this pandemic shuts down. So wear a mask um, and then we can all do a nature project thing together. Ooh, would love that. I'll just do a shout out for scuba. I like being underwater. Save the whales. I'm not as much on the water as I like to be under it. So, but all good though. So that's really good. But we could definitely take a, what's it called? The plane where you'd go over the water. What do they call it? Seaplane. Seaplanes. I'm going to get one. Next week, George, you got that big contract. You got to buy a seaplane, man. <laughs> not a lot gonna, of places to where fly. Where are we going to put it? <laughs> We're actually looking at pontoons though. So maybe you could come and teach <laughs> us how to wake surf. There we go. Okay. Pontoon be tough on, but we'll figure it out. There is a really big reservoir just uh, east of uh, Nashville. Here. So, Will, how about you buy that. a seaplane and then we'll come and visit you? It's in my five-year plan. So, okay, perfect. <laughs> All right. Well, you got to talk to Coop when you do because he was talking about Mount Rainier and he said he's got a guide thing and they've been talking about doing something. So, and then we talked about coming up and doing some mindfulness with their kids and maybe doing a little yogi practice. So, we'll kind of try Ooh. that. So, okay, well. Uh, taking a lot of your time. So, Will, we just want to say thank you very, very much. Appreciate the tight end family and uh, all that you're doing with the Nature Project and that and taking time out to talk to us today. So, wish you the very best. Obviously, we're biased on the next week's game, but wish you continued health and glad you're recovering and doing all those kind of things. And give old Pete, I'm a huge fan, Pete and Mike. So, uh, tell him I said hi and uh, would love to when the rivalry is not as big, love to come up and get a, you know, a little scene of that someday, but that's another story. So anyway, thank you very much, George. Hope you're doing good. And enjoy your sushi. Emmy, anything Ooh. for closing? Thank you so much guys. Right, well, go out and be courageous this week and uh, do the right things and, uh, be and catch some passes. So we yeah. can send more kids out into nature. Yeah, We're going to do the nature pass. I like it. Let's go, yeah, boys. I think like, you know, like five to 10 catches for each of us with a touchdown. I'm, I'm okay with. Okay. So Russ, Jim, that's nice. Let's listen up. It's for the kids. Let's go to yeah. the tight ends. <laughs> Let's go. It's, it's not even kids. about us. It's, it's for not the kids. about them. It's for, the, it's kids. for the, kids. the kids. See the damn tight end. Let's go dogs. Visualize the tight ends. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm, All right. I'm thanks seeing. guys. All right. Well, take care of me. Thank well. you so much. Thank Georgie. Great. Everybody. This week, our charity focus is the Nature Project out of Seattle. We have with us two guests, including the co-founder, Cooper Helfett, and Ryan Miller, Tulalip, tribal member and director of Treaty Rights and Government Affairs for the Tulalip Tribes. All right, so welcome, everybody. Thank you for being here. Yeah. Uh, Cooper is the co-founder of The Nature Project, a nonprofit organization based in Seattle, Washington, serving underserved youth in the Seattle and San Francisco Bay areas. Not too long ago, Coop was an NFL tight end, yee-yee, signing with the Seahawks in 2012 and retiring with the Raiders after the 2017 season. Would have been sick to see the new stadium. I agree. Vegas. Hey. Yeah, baby. Yeah, Vegas. Either way, he was with the Seahawks for two of their Super Bowls following the 2013 and 2014 seasons. Cooper originally played lacrosse 
Interesting. Big stick. Big, big <laughs> stick. That's what they say. My buddy's back east. I, I like it. Big, I was actually attacked. So the oh, defenseman okay. had the big stick. I didn't get the big stick. Uh, I, I, lacrosse is like the one sport I just do not understand. Well, we heard that in some circles, but I didn't want to bring that up. But as long as you put it out there. So. <laughs> I mean, you made it to the NFL. So it's all good. Something worked out. All right, all right, all right. Okay. So played lacrosse at John Hopkins before transferring to Duke for his degree and two years of ACC football. Coop grew up in Marin County, California, with a family passionate about healthy time spent outdoors. Cooper was motivated by teammates and his passion for outdoor activities to create opportunities for underserved inner city youth to experience the wonders of nature, realizing that time in nature is one of the utmost importance for his physical, emotional, and mental health. Coop helps lead the Nature Project, now residing in Seattle, as well as working full-time with a fast-growth software startup. Welcome, Cooper. Excellent. Okay. Thanks, guys. Nature boy. Okay. All right. uh, We'll come back to that. So we also have Ryan Miller. Ryan, thank you so much for being here. He is a Tulalip. All right. Tribal member and serves as Director of Treaty Rights and Government Affairs for the tribe. He has over 15 years of experience working in the natural resources and government affairs fields. He received his degree in native environmental science from Northwest Indian College. He's also on the board of Qualico Energy and on the steering committee for the Alliance for Jobs and Clean Energy. He has worked with the Nature Project on their events with the Tulalip tribes at a staff as a staff counselor. He enjoys serving the community by protecting tribal self-determination, sovereignty, and treaty rights, and seeing the positive results in his community from the work his department does. So we're very grateful to have Ryan here, and Ryan has also uh, worked as a staff member, or staff counselor, I believe, on one of the events that was held out with the tribe through the Nature Project. So he's going to tell us a little bit about the tribe, and as we get into that event. So, Welcome, welcome. All right, so just to hit the overview and the mission, uh, the Nature Project is a Seattle-based nonprofit dedicated to providing underserved youth with transformative experiences in nature alongside a collective of professional athletes, athletic ambassadors. That's cool. Great name. Um, We believe that barriers to nature need to be broken down so youth across all social, racial, and economic backgrounds can experience the outdoors in an approachable and inviting way, ultimately allowing them to develop a personal relationship with nature while cultivating personal skills that lead to becoming more intentional about their lives and the choices they make. Excellent mission statement. Um, okay, so let's dive in. Coop, as the co-founder, uh, well, both of you, thank you so much for being here. Um, and Hidden Pearls podcast is all about the people and the organizations like the Nature Project who dedicate themselves to helping and serving others. So we're super appreciative that you guys are here and that you're willing to share our story. Um, all right, Cooper, interesting life from lacrosse to football, all the things. Um, not only did you make a difficult career transition from the NFL into technology, but continue to carve out time to drive community impact with the Nature Project. As co-founder, can you please tell us um, the Nature Project creation story and why it matters so much to you? Yeah, thanks for having me, One, um, Thanks for the great intro. Crush the, crush the mission statement. We might save that recording. Uh, so, so yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, and you guys know this story well, very well with, with George, I'm sure. Um, uh, but you know, joined in 2012 was a rookie, um, a bunch of the other vets and whatnot, uh, on the team, uh, you know, obviously have their you know organizations, they leverage the platform and, and the cities they support in, in amazing ways. And, um, I had the good fortune of kind of, 
um, stumbling into this organically. You know, a bunch of the guys on the team in the offseason uh, during OTAs, which you know well, which are, are, are half days, and you actually get some time for some team bonding, um, would be inside, right? They'd be playing video games, watching movies, hanging out indoors, which is uh, becoming more and more common for, for you know, obviously adults and, and youth especially. Um, and I would always promote them to say, hey, guys, like, we're in the Northwest. It's beautiful up here. Let's go on a bike ride. Let's go play some golf. Let's get on some jet skis. Let's go paddleboarding, whatever it might be. Um, baby steps with most of them is what it took. Um, but, you know, we'd go out and have these awesome afternoons, experiences. And, and, and the guys time and time again, and, and guys that, you know, become brothers to me, would keep saying like, hey, you know, like this is these experiences are amazing. Like you're incredibly fortunate. You got to do this as a kid. We didn't have these opportunities growing up, right? Like we, um, we weren't fortunate enough to, you know, have a community that, that was really intentional about us going to parks or us going to the beach or us going to the mountains or to the lake and, and really enjoying, uh, you know, just, you know, quality time spent outside. And, and I realized it wasn't the norm at that point, obviously. Um, and basically all of them from Marshawn, who's on our board and, and a great friend to KJ and Cam and a bunch of the guys I play with at the time said, Hey, like, it'd be amazing if, you could lean into this with, with our communities and, and help kind of get kids like us, you know, outside where, where we grew up. Uh, so that was the ignition spark. Um, I then realized very quickly, and it makes sense now, the Pacific Northwest, as you guys know, is somewhat crunchy granola -y. Ryan knows this quite well as, as also. Uh, so we obviously kind of lead the, the um, outdoor, outdoor youth education move pretty well across the country up here. And so quickly realized, hey, there's a ton being done here. Like, where can I help? What can I do? And so reached out to a couple of the leading kind of members of the Northwest. And what they basically said was, hey, we do have all the resources. We do amazing fundraising. We have super passionate counselors and people. But the big missing element is the kids that would be impacted most by our programming, the kids that you know really need to, to try these transformative experiences and get outside and build that relationship. Like, they just don't relate to us, right? Um, being totally real or crunchy old granola white people going into the inner city, asking these kids to go on a hike or to, you know, go, you know, go to the woods or, or, or go out to the lake. And the kids are like, I don't know you. That's weird. That's really foreign to me. Like, no, I'm not going to sign up for that. So if there was any bridge that professional athletes could play as really mentors and idols to these high school kids that would motivate them to go try something new like this, that would be a huge niche in this movement of getting more kids outside and, and connected with nature. So that was kind of the, the, the creation story. Uh, we basically started with pro athletes, cool outdoor curriculum and partnering with other organizations to go get outside uh, and all motivated by my team, my family ingraining that kind of value in me and then the teammates really motivating me to do it because they thought it was such an important relationship in life. Well, yeah. way to see a niche and like how, your, I think that's something that like, that resonates with me so much because seeing something that you were raised in, like for me, and I feel like that's what Hidden Pearls is turning into, but like something that you're just kind of like raised in and then it flows into and how you can really serve people. Um, so that's amazing. Um, question, do you make your athletic ambassadors wear Chacos when they come to these events? Or <laughs> We should. I like that idea. Uh, <laughs> we have done some cool brand partnerships. So Filson, if you guys know Filson, yeah. is probably our biggest sponsor. And, and they do a ton of gear for not only athletes, but the kids too. REI and, and Patagonia as well. So 
we yeah. do get the athletes all uh, fitted in some outdoor stuff that hopefully promotes them getting outside more too, which is right. But Chaco's Tiva is next on the list. I like it. All right. Well, you know, I just want well, one kudos too for just asking some questions before you just kind of thrust out there, you know, great job evaluating and doing that and meeting that niche. I, I would just say though, that, um, you know, I grew up in Iowa but, and for whatever reason, uh, my dad grew up on a farm in Western Nebraska where it's just like, you know, it's almost sagebrush. Like they, I think it's a stretch to call it a farm in some places. Right. But anyway, <laughs> um, you know, but like from my earliest memories until whatever, he loved to travel and he loved the national parks. And yep. so we would always take a two week summer trip and then otherwise we would camp. I bet, I bet 15 to 20 weekends a year until it was too cold. We'd go to different campgrounds around or he'd drive here and we had a canoe and we'd go fishing and doing all that kind of stuff. And so it's like my, like all I remembered until we kind of got too busy in high school for sports was, you know, loading the car up and then just zipping off and walking around and being in the canoe. And like, you wouldn't even, you'd leave in the morning and you wouldn't even see your, you'd run back for lunch and then you go back out and you'd go to the swim or whatever, or you'd hike or do everything. So I, I, I certainly, when I read that and talked to you before, really identified with the power of just the ability for creativity, for free expression, for just being out and then not being distracted by electronics, obviously. And when I was growing up, that wasn't a big deal, right? We barely had a TV back then, back in the, you know, 1800s. But anyway, but anyway, (laughs) I thought, so that's all pretty, you know, really good stuff. And I can certainly see how um, the athletes would make that bridge and kids might take a stab at it. So, all right. Very nice. You know, it's, it's interesting just to tag onto that, Bruce, like, uh, one of the fun things we do when we get to these events and we have, you know, the youth and kids in front of us. And I normally go around, have the athletes introduce themselves. But one of the points I always bring up is like, especially with the athletes starting out, you know, when you think about your favorite childhood memories, like how many of those were indoors? Right. Yeah. Like very little. Right. They're the memories, the ones where you're outside with your friends, you you fall maybe or you're playing sports, whatever it might be. Yeah. But it's the memories you can like all your senses are turned on. Right. You can. You can almost still smell them. You can hear them. You can feel them. Like those are the the quality experiences you remember. And so many kids are missing those opportunities because they're living on a screen and they're not having those kind of all encompassing sensory moments. Right. Right. No, that's really true. So uh, yeah. when we were younger, Bruce, uh, so our grandparents had a camper blessed but uh so george and i have this like insane love for camper life and just rvs in general and i remember so vividly we would play the u2 like joshua tree album and we'd be like cruising down the highway and i would just sit and i remember this like looking out at the blue skies and stuff and now when i road trip i'll catch myself on my phone and be like and like i it's it's good to have those memories where I can check myself, but I will like sit, like put my phone down, put it on airplane mode where I'm like, just look out the window, be present, like take in these moments because even as a child, those things come back to me. Yeah. Good Without job, a doubt. Love it. Huh. What core parenting? What core parenting? Yeah. yeah, yeah you sure. did it right. You did it right, big dog. Okay. So let's see, Charity Focus. So we've got, uh, let's see, we read over the overview a little bit. And so I don't know, and, you, and you've kind of gone over it. Anything else you want to hit? I mean, really kind of what I want to do is, um, and I think you've kind of talked about it, but I mean, is there anything, so the two things, why you feel about getting the kids out is so important. And I think we've kind of addressed yeah. that. And I don't know, you know, usually with some of the charities, it's all about statistics and ratings and all that kind of stuff. So I don't know, you guys don't seem quite as driven by that. Cause there's like some common knowledge out there, anything in that category about, and the, kind of where we're going is, you know, who are the youth that you guys hook up with and how do you identify them and how do you guys get hooked up? So maybe tell us that story. Yeah, so I can tell a little bit about the model, and it's kind of grown. We started with these 
pretty great ingredients and we're kind of figuring out the best way to have impact. Um, so today what it looks like, <laughs> what one of the big things we, uh, we, we did from the start was there are amazing organizations already out there. We don't need to reinvent the wheel. So we do, it's, it's entirely a partnership model. So we work with the big brothers and sisters of the YMCA or a bunch of partner orgs that spend time with the youth, but maybe just aren't breaking through because kids have hard shells at that time and don't like listen to teachers or counselors. And so maybe the pro athlete is, is the one that breaks through. So entirely a partnership model. We do these big banger events gotcha. like we did with Tulalip, which you'll hear later, but you know, three hours um, with the youth, uh, you know, getting out to, to really beautiful locations and taking them through our curriculum, which is kind of changing at all times. And actually next year, which Ryan might be a big intro for you as well, uh, we're moving to a multi-touch model. So basically as an athlete, you know, like one of the Hawks, KJ Wright, for example, would be an ambassador. Um, they sign on for a year and basically 10 kids. So we'll go out and have a really cool event um, in you know, February to April. We're going to pick a couple different threads. So I think we're going to do organic farming, mountaineering, and maybe biking. Um, we'll go out and do an event in, you know, February to April, spend three hours together, teach the kids, you know, just what it means to be outside, teach them about some of the values that we want to instill in them and and how they can use the outdoors as a mechanism to grow and be intentional and, and just be more aware in their lives throughout like the three months in between. So over summer, we'll give them challenges. And if they kind of hit some of the goals we ask them to do and, and show some intent and effort. We'll give them FaceTime with the athletes, so kind of that mentorship, one-on-one FaceTime, and, and ask them any questions and things that they want to do. And then we'll have an, uh, a fall event that's kind of the summary and what they've learned and getting back together one last time for another three hours back on the farm or on the bikes or, or out in the mountains. Yeah. Uh, the farming one, we're even going to like farm uh, uh, harvest at the end and, and have a cool dinner with everybody, which will be really cool, some of the things that we're farm so um it's growing that's where we're getting next year with more of a multi-touch program all about giving the athletes quality time with the kids in a beautiful place to connect talk about some of the challenges they're going through be intentional have that self-awareness and realize anytime you need to you can take a step outside it might be a walk it might be taking some fresh breaths it might be going to a park but just take that moment to get grounded think about you know how you're showing up every day how you're treating people uh, are you actually setting and reaching goals? And you kind of always have this mechanism right outside the door to help you really get in that healthy growth mindset. So that's a little bit more about the program and the model, which is hopefully helpful. So in that curriculum, when I was talking to one of your other staffers, I think Jane, yeah, uh, she suggested, so now on my other hat, so we're part of Thunderbird Performance. Emma does yoga and mobility for athletes and I do mental prep stuff. So we're really big. We have the eight-step path to uh, mindful awareness. So I like it. She was suggesting that potentially you guys are looking at maybe doing a little, I don't know, meditation or a little instruction on mindfulness and that kind of thing. So just to help incorporate the nature part with some actual skill sets that might fit in. Is that is that kind of looking in part of the curriculum or a hundred percent? You know, getting grounded, turning on those senses. What can you hear? What can you feel? What can you smell? just getting you in touch with where you are in that moment. Mm-hmm. I, I'm big on all of those things too, Bruce. I know both of you are. So uh, we should get you out to an event to coach well, one of those little I was, I was going to awesome. say, uh, we little yoga retreat with mindfulness. Oh, ye, like say less, <laughs> but uh, we've actually been talking about, so every time, well, we've actually only come out once, but we talk about this frequently. So we have hiked, we have a few 14ers under our belt and yeah. uh, a I have, pretty good amount. I have 18. 
I don't, they're all color right. right. I have nine, so I like it. Let's Linear. go. But we really want to do Mount Rainier, yeah. so pencil us in for that because um, yeah, let's do a little. I'm in. I got I got the guides. The group we do are it's called the Mountaineers of Washington that are actually helping kind of educate the kids next year on one of those. Uh, impact streams does a bunch of guided tours we could easily set that up that'd be a blast and yeah. we'll do a whole hidden pearls podcast on the fashion of hiking it's a little <laughs> different than george's <laughs> nikes but um well great like cool yeah. that'll be so you and may, then you may not and know then oh no, go ahead go please, ahead Bruce, go. well i was just gonna so in the player podcast which will air right before this so george is on with will uh, Disley, um, they'll have a fashion preview of their kind of game day swag. So we always include that. Uh, there so, you go. so this would I be like a it. great thing for the, we could, we could do a kind of game day charity swag, you know, like, you know, out yeah. in nature or whatever that is. So that would be pretty cool. A little tie in. So. Everyone fitted in some Filson. I got it. Yeah. Um, yeah. the other, the other thing I just did want to mention just from a stats perspective and, and there, are, there's this, I mean, you guys know this from the mindfulness work, but there's so much research that shows, you know, ecotherapy, getting outside, getting grounded. Uh, I think there's a crazy stat that um, Americans today spend 90% of their time inside on average. Um, 19% of kids in the Seattle or Washington, Seattle area, I think King County, which is kind of think of it as like the Bay Area. um, 19% of kids are getting their recommended outdoor time or physical activity. Um, And then 50% of kids as of, you know, I think 2018 um, kids are spending 50% less less time outside as of 10 years ago. So unfortunately trending exactly the wrong way. Uh, and, and we're doing everything we can to, to make kids realize how important it is to have this, you know, relationship with the natural world. Okay. And I just was going to cause just with the uh, upcoming election and all of that, uh, not to push anything there, but uh, climate change is kind of on the ballot to some extent. So just wondering to what extent are you guys involved with a little bit of that with just educating kids on some of the realities and things that are going on? On that, the fact that our planet is literally on fire and that we can't <laughs> undergo another four years of not paying attention right, to right. it. <laughs> anyway. yeah, I, I, that's, the, that's my home state. You're talking about my home state, so I care very much. I actually grew up in Marin's just across the Golden Gate Bridge. I'm a huge, okay. I grew up so- a huge Niners fan. We did our pre-call with you and then uh, it was my birthday. And so we drove up to the city because I've never been. And I remember that you had said, you're like, yeah, I live like right there. And so we drove up and we were at the Golden Gate Bridge. And I was like, Cooper said he lives here. I was like, this is a sick place to grow up. This is very cool. This is a little cooler than Iowa. Sorry, homegrown, but but yeah. (laughs) It is a cool spot. Um, So co-founder is a guy named Charles Post, who I actually grew up with, uh, one of my closest friends since maybe eighth grade. Uh, he actually, uh, obviously, entirely different kind of life path, but got his ecology PhD at Cal Berkeley oh. um, and does everything with brands from, you know, Patagonia, Filson, some of the ones I mentioned around conservation, stewardship, how do we lean into all of the climate change and wildlife refuge issues. So he really brings that component in. Um, and it's just, you know, works and lives and breathes it every single day. Mm-hmm. I think the biggest, the easiest thing to latch onto that we lean into there is how do you expect people to care about something that they've never experienced? Right. right. So getting these kids to just realize how ingrained the natural world is into everything that they do, everything they eat, you know, the air they breathe every single day and getting them to actually love those moments and experiences is such a huge step in, in helping the next generation care about the issues that are obviously um, systemic to us having, you know, any type of 
normal life 10 years from now. Yeah. No, create a little bit of a passion and understanding. And at least if you're out there and then you can start to wonder what's going on and then kind of think about that. Well, uh, uh, Mr. Miller, are you still there? Ryan, thank you. Yeah. All right. So we've been kind of talking about the organization and so we have, uh, this situation. So, uh, should change it. Talalap, I'll get it right. So anyway, crushed it. Yeah. Okay. Well, I don't know about that, but anyway. <laughs> so uh, if you could tell us just a little bit more about kind of what you do with the tribe and just your journey a little bit, and then how you got involved with the Nature Project. Uh, yeah. Well, um, you know, my I, I'm a tribal member, so you know, I've grown up on the on the soil preservation my whole life, and um, my father has worked for the Natural Resources Department for the tribe for 37 years. So I was really, you know, not just culturally born into kind of being outdoors, but, you know, from a family perspective, you know, my, my dad has always been, you know, involved in natural resources and that's always been an important part of my life. So I can, you know, I can commiserate with a lot of the things that, you know, that Cooper has said, the importance of, of getting out into nature for, you know, development as a, as a youth. Um, and so that kind of drove me to to wanting to work in natural resources myself. And so that was what I decided to do. So I kind of started working started working in natural resources for the tribe when I was still in high school. I used to work these uh, night shifts on this trap in the middle of the river where we counted out migrating juvenile salmon. And then I'd like go to school in the morning, and yeah, it was crazy. Right. Um, but it it sent me on this path to kind of doing this work and. Um, and that kind of led me to the treaty rights office, which is where we, we focus on like the policy aspect of natural resources management. And one of the programs that we started there was, um, was a summer youth program, a youth camping program where we would take middle school age kids, tribal, tribal youth out into um, the Mount Baker Snoqualmie national forest. And we take them out there with in partnership with the YMCA for a week and they would cook their own food and they would camp and they would get to know each other. And they'd have these kind of, you know, role models that were um, either people who were employed in natural resources or were tribal members or both. And they would talk to them about tribal history and culture and, um, you know, the, just give these kids a kind of a, a stable environment to to go out into a lot of these kids come from, you know, difficult home situations. And, um, you know, it was a, is a chance to kind of get these kids back out into their ancestral homeland. So these are the places where their ancestors have lived for 15,000 years mm -hmm. and, you know, to have, to get them back out there and get them connected with that place. And, um, and connected with people who could help them kind of absorb all that and think about it. And I think we got a lot of really good results out of that, built a lot of strong relationships. Um, some of those kids came back to be kind of youth uh, counselors later to other groups of kids. And then after a couple of successful years of the mountain program, we started um, a fish camp in the San Juan Islands. And that's sort of how we got hooked up with, with Cooper. So, you know, they, the nature project had a, had a very similar thing where they were out with another group in the San Juan Islands and uh, with the in partnership with the YMCA, who we were partnering with to do ours. And that's so that's that's how we got hooked up. And you know, when we saw talked to Jane about the Nature Project and and saw what they were doing, of course, it was I was in immediately. You know, as a big football fan, I'm like, all right, Coops, and you know, I'm I like that. See, it works. That the um, model works, right? 
exactly right Right. uh that's how you just get people sucked in and then they're like okay we'll we'll do whatever you want us to do um but yeah so you know the the opportunity was great to come out there and um and do that and you know when we learned more about the nature project and what they were doing we just thought it fit so well you know we come from a place where it's like ingrained as a part of kind of who we are to get out in these places and we're still seeing the struggle with that because of you know the, the the culture of today just kids want to be inside they want to play video games you know it's just it's so hard even in this culture that we come from to get kids outside and connected with nature and um so we we thought it was a great opportunity to partner to do that and of course you know the event went great and we're looking forward to doing more events and then of course we had this covid thing come up and it's like you know that kind of acts this whole year but uh hopefully next year we'll be able to get back out and do some more work Okay. Um, before we jump into that event a little bit more, Ryan, could you just, um, just a little snapshot of the tribe, like, you know, how large of parcel of land do you got? You know, I'm not very clear. I think reservation, is that still the right term? Is that okay? Or, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, how big is it? And then how many, how many people are part of the tribe that live out there and that kind of thing? Just a little bit of the demographics for us. Yeah. It's kind of like a complicated history, right? Um, by the time, uh, non-native settlers got to this part of the of the country. There had been a lot of treaties already made with tribes, and so they kind of they kind of knew what they were doing. And they they got in here. And um, Isaac Stevens was a ter- territorial governor of Washington at the time, and he made five treaties with tribes in Western Washington, and and he did that all within a year. And he so all the land in Western Washington was ceded by treaty from tribes all within a year. And actually, most of them were done within just a four month period. Actually, to go back to Quinault to finish another one. Um, so, so essentially, in in our treaty, in the Treaty of Point Elliot, the tribes ceded their right to six and a half million acres of land from the Canadian border to Mount Rainier and east to the crest of the Cascades and west into the San Juan Islands. And for Tulalip, that meant um, getting moved to a 22,000 acre reservation. So, um, you know, significant loss of, of land base. But we, you know, we reserved some, some things in those treaties. And one of those is a right to hunt, fish and gather in our usual and custom areas. And that's where it became a part of the Bolt decision later. But that's when I talk about that ancestral land. That's what I'm talking about. Those places that we seeded. So we have just over 5,000 tribal members. Um, significant portion of them are young people. Um, we have a very young population. I think 60% of our population is under the age of 35. So, um, you know, that's sort of the statistic wise we're, um, you know, when it comes to the youth, we're, I think like other minorities, we're struggling with, you know, high school graduation rates and all of those kinds of things, um, all, all things that we continue to work on. But, you know, when you have, a, you know, 150 years of, you know, systemic issues and, um, you know, racism and, and oppression of a minority group, it, it can take a long time to get out of that. And then, of course, you mix that with, you know, for Native Americans, we're just some of us two generations away from boarding schools, you know, where our right grandparents or great grandparents were taken from their homes and sent to government boarding schools. And so there's some mistrust of the education system and all those kinds of things that make um, what Cooper was talking about earlier, really prevalent, right? This idea that like, you know, this crunchy white people, they're not, they're not always trusted. So um, it's, it's really good for these kids to have like athletes and people that look like them out there kind of giving them this message. I think that, 
that's really helps them get connected. Well, I, so I do uh, kind of appreciate all that. And, and the, um, so trying to get back uh, to the nature piece. So um, as far as kind of the, you know, the boarding schools and those kind of pieces, it, it feels like, and tell me, you know, just correct me or kind of guide us so along here, the, um, you know, the reintroduction or kind of encouraging encouragement to get back to nature um, it seems like that would be consistent with kind of reclaiming some of the cultural pieces that might have been lost through the boarding school. How, how does how do you go about reclaiming, you know, some of those pieces that were lost uh, with the kids? Is that built into part of the educational system that you guys are working on? Or, I mean, it's, it seems like a very difficult kind of hurdle to overcome. Man, you nailed it. I mean, it's it's a struggle, you know, and I think that's part of why we wanted to do part of why we got into doing um, our, our youth camp programs, because we wanted to make that kind of intentional leap for these kids to like bring them back to these places and get them connected with nature. And that's why I think um, it fits so well with, with what the nature project was doing. You know, we saw this as like an extension of what we were trying to do. And, and, you know, it's been a process, I think for all tribes, um, but for us specifically, you know, I mean, just, there's so many aspects of it, you know, like language, you know, we, we have a, you know, we have a language that at one point was down to about nine speakers who are still alive. And so that was in the, you know, that was in the nineties and we were able to bring that back. And now we have like 13 language teachers who go to all of our schools and teach the kids. I mean, I have, I have twin four-year-old boys and they're, they're in the preschool program and they're learning Lashutsi there. And um, you know, so it's, it's all just sort of this process of trying to kind of, bring that stuff back out we're lucky that we have at least you know a base uh, there's that kind of cultural kind of base that underlays everything that these kids are taught from the beginning a little bit at least about about that and so we just kind of have to bring it back out in them and get them to trust in that feeling again and and you know trust in trust in us enough to to let them come out there and experience those things and be connected okay you know it's 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 super interesting, Ryan. It was such a powerful moment for us because we hadn't worked with a tribe. It was our first tribe experience, uh, Emma and Bruce going out there. And for us kind of learning that background, that story Ryan had shared, it was, hey, you know, your people and, and your culture and your ancestors are the original stewards of all of this land, right? Like, it, you know, we would love to come, we want to come give you attention and hope and, and try and instill, you know, the fact that, you know, this, this is your land. Um, and go take advantage of all of it. But, you know, we hope to come back here in a few years and have you host us on your land and show us everything, right? Once you kind of grow and realize that um, you should put your stake in the ground and, and you deserve to, and, um, you know, maybe a little bit of love and support and motivation, you know, from anyone that they're willing to listen to. And, you know, maybe some athletes would help, but it was just, it was really powerful for us to, to, to kind of have that, you know, aha moment and just realize, you know, um, how big of a factor they played in the, in the beautiful outdoor landscape we get to enjoy. Right. It's kind of a weird full circle kind of, you know, maybe a little backwards, but there it is. Yeah. So unfortunate, well, but yeah. um, hopefully helpful. Ryan, we had a quote from one of the articles I think was published in the tribal newspaper. So maybe I'll just read this and then you guys, between the two of you just kind of explain the event, kind of what happened and all that kind of stuff. And you want to read that? Give that a shot. Yeah. Uh, the nature project. This is a quote from Ryan. So it's got to be really good, right? So good. I don't know. <laughs> it's got to be. The Nature Project learned about us through the YMCA. 
their whole goal is to get kids out into nature and have that experience that Cooper had when he was a kid that he feels turned him into the person he is today. They felt he was a really good fit for a fit to do something with the Tallulah and our youth. It is an opportunity for the kids to learn about the importance of teamwork, perseverance, leadership, and gives them skills that will help them throughout their lives. Yeah. Great quote. So anyway, it sounded like it all went pretty good. So at least what I understand, Coop, you went out with two other former, I think, former Seahawks, and then kind of had a three to four hour gathering with the, with the kids out there or the youth from the tribe. But anyway, why don't you guys go ahead and kind of explain what happened and how everything worked. Yeah, so uh, I can start, Ryan, and then and then you come in and, and give the, the real color and, and knock it out of the park if you're going to do that much better than I am. Uh, so, uh, so we do kind of a myriad of events. We do everything from, hey, let's go to the, kind of the local park with kids and spend two hours and make them realize that it's super local and easy. And then oftentimes we do more of kind of what we call our like epic adventures where, as Ryan said, we either go to, you know, the San Juans, in this case, the Tulalip Reservation, which is um, by car an hour and a half north of Renton and the VMAC, I would say maybe a little less than that. Uh, as you guys know, athletes' time is is short uh, in season, and uh, we decided we have actually a really cool partnership, which is a cool experience for the athletes as well, uh, with a local seaplane group. So we actually, and they're on the coast, so we actually seaplaned uh, athletes in, which was a cool experience not only for the athletes but the kids uh to to get to see us kind of come come in that way as well um and and we actually had a really cool aerial shot of the whole land but landed there um and basically had what probably about 60 kids ryan um everyone from uh you know 10 year olds to 18 year olds so it was a really large range and spectrum which is cool for us which is a little unique uh and they did such a i mean all led by Ryan, but it was just the probably the warmest welcome we've ever got. They sang this unbelievable song. The kids sang. Uh, there was drum work, um, and really just graced us, and and you know, um, really you know, hosted us on their land in such a beautiful way. Uh, we took them. We introduced ourselves. Did some icebreaker games. Took everyone through about an hour and a half curriculum, which is all about. Um, kind of the skills you need uh, that stack on top of one another as foundational elements to from, you know, effort and perseverance and teamwork and collaboration and leadership is what, is what Ryan mentioned for them to kind of figuratively reach for dreams in their life is, was that curriculum where they kind of write down a goal they have or what they want to be when they grow up and they have to work together to kind of grab that figurative goal. And then we sat down and talked and this was the coolest part and probably the coolest circle we've ever had, but, we talked about some really kind of vulnerable things, uh, both athletes and kids. And you guys might know this, but a lot of the kind of athlete camps and whatnot and youth work is kind of like three athletes, 500 kids, and it's high fives and autographs and like, you know, go out there and give it, you know, 100% and give it your heart and, you know, right. good luck. No, I've seen um, it. I've seen it. Yep. And the athletes are actually craving to have more vulnerable moments, in, in my experience, with kids and really get it like, speak from their heart and share. Um, and so it started off actually with Jermaine Curse, who you might remember as a, a star receiver for us for a long time, a close friend of mine, and, and just recently retired about two months ago. Um, kind of talking a little bit about you know him thinking about retiring for the first time and how he learned what it meant, you know, how impactful it was going to be in his life to learn how to ask for help. And some of these like core things that are such a level of depth and vulnerability you don't often see 
And it immediately translated into these kids just breaking out of their shell in two seconds and talking about how they feel it's so important to get on the land. And they kind of feel uh, like they a little bit of guilt for not doing it as much. And I think one kid mentioned, you know, seeing some bullying and not doing something about it and just sharing these really meaningful moments in their lives and and how, you know, being more intentional about some of the things we talked about today could help them and getting outside could help as well. So just a beautiful experience and memory. They played us another song after they left. They gifted us with beautiful, uh, a beautiful drum each. Uh, and it was just one of the more beautiful moments. I, I couldn't have been more excited to have Ryan join us for this podcast as it really was one of our favorite events as, as a foundation. So well, Sorry, me, that was a lot. No. Uh, Ryan, I will let you jump in. Well, let me, I had a couple right. follow-ups and then you guys can just go. Oh, but So one please. was, um, are the circles like, so I'm a trained circle keeper in our tradition out of Iowa. And so a lot of heavy native ties to the way we do that with a talking piece and all that kind of stuff. So I don't know if it was in that formula and I don't What's know if that's. Piece? I'm going to grab our talking piece. And, we and have and it on I'm, the test. Yeah, I'm not sure if, you know, that's part of it um, uh, as far as that goes. Well, and you could just kind of go with that. Oh, well, this is one of them. So I don't know. So yeah, we've got a bunch yep. shells and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, those, um, those kind of pieces. So I was just uh, kind of curious as far as that formality or, you know, if it's in a large group like that, or if that's how you guys approached it. And then the other we, question, we, the other question was the pictures I saw that you got a paddle and they said you got a mask and I didn't, I haven't seen the mask. I, I found a picture of the paddle, but I didn't, couldn't find a picture of the mask. So I'm really curious about that. Shoot. So anyway. I think Tyrone got the mask potentially, oh, okay. which, uh, which is one of the other athletes. Um, but we, well, one, this is a, a kind of a question to ask you. We don't have that formality. I would okay. love to learn more about like the best circle structures and how to host a good conversation. We've done it pretty just kind of organically, like, yeah. you know, okay. you did when you were in high school basketball or middle school basketball. Um, but um, I would love to learn more. And I didn't know that that was so woven into the culture, Ryan, or, or obviously Bruce. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it can be. Yeah. And we, we were kind of like, it, it was one of those things where we had, we had that, it had that same structure. It just didn't have that formality. Oh, yeah. There was no like talking stick, you know, but, um, but it, yeah, like Cooper said, it just, we did it like organically and it was, it went really well. I mean, you know, it's one of the things about tribal, you know, when you're doing this work with tribes is like, it's a community. It's such a tight knit community. And, you know, Cooper was able to see that. Like you said, we had kids from 10 to 18. We had all of our, you know, youth workers there. We had, you know, people, you know, family members there. People are just like, they want, you know, they send their kids there. They want to go. They want to, they want to make sure that this is, you know, a good thing. And, and it, I, I remember exactly, I was so glad that Cooper mentioned that with Jermaine, because I remember exactly that moment when he shared that and you could see like the, the room just changed, you know what I mean? We're outside, but it, the group just changed right at that moment. All the kids just, they completely just dropped their guards. They saw how vulnerable he was being with them. And, and I think that really opened us up to really making some good progress with some of the kids. And I, I think that just, you know, that in general, that's something that the kids crave, you know? Yeah. They they crave that they they want to be they want to be vulnerable they want somebody to tell those things to and like I said some of these kids they don't come from you know a, a home situation where they can have those kinds of conversations and so something like that can really be meaningful for them yeah. so vulnerable masculinity something we keep coming back to yeah which has been a common theme about kind of inappropriate masculinity as well as then trying to teach appropriate kind of format all these with masculinity in that way so yeah it's amazing those talking groups like that whether it's formal or not 
uh, we call that taking the submarine dive, right? You're cruising along on the surface and everything's kind of chit chat. And then one mm-hmm. person kind of decides, and then the whole thing just, it changes the entire energy and dynamic of the entire group. So, okay. Well, that sounds great. Good project, all that kind of stuff. And so replanning, and we're just still trying to navigate around COVID. I'm sure that makes some of these outings really difficult and that kind of stuff. So, so the question I have, so we always like to leave listeners uh, and viewers with kind of opportunities to reach out both to the organization, that case, and or the tribe. And if there are kind of recommendations you guys have. So where, where's the hope? So, you know, what do you guys see? What's the optimistic viewpoint going forward? And then what would you ask people to either do, think, or kind of how could they act out or end or help? I am going to let Ryan start because I would love for people to be aware and help the tribe in any way possible. Oh man. Um, I think this is part of like that larger conversation that we're having around the country right now about lifting up you know, BIPOC voices and, you know, traditionally marginalized communities. Um, I just think that that's like the number one thing. I've been getting a lot of questions like this from people, from organizations, like, what do we do? How do we help? How do we help the tribe? How do we, you know, how do we help the black community? You know, all those, all those things. And I think from my experience and my conversations with other folks in marginalized communities is like, what we're asking for is to help lift those voices up. Give us an opportunity to speak for ourselves. Give us a seat at the table. Um, and for us, that means all kinds of different things, you know, whether it's, um, whether it's um, police reform or natural resources management or all these other things. Um, you know, I think, I think it's not very common knowledge that there's uh, Native Americans are actually uh, killed by police at a higher rate than any other ethnic group in the United States. That's and they're also sense. incarcerated at a higher rate than any other ethnic group in the United States. And so I think we share a lot of those um, same concerns that other, that other typically oppressed communities do. And um, so I would just say like, for, you know, what I always tell people is like, learn about, there's a tribe, wherever you live, there's a tribe. Yeah learn about them, learn about their history, learn about who they are today. Um, you can, you know, you can find that information. The, the internet's a great thing, right? Um, you can just Google tribes near me and, and you can find out about kind of the land that you live on, who, how did it get to be in your possession? Was it ceded by some tribe to the U S government who then, you know, gave it away to you? Was it stolen land? You know, there's, there's all kinds of different, all kinds of different ways. And there's all kinds of different um, programs that these tribes, you know, they, they function as governments, essentially, you know, we're, we're just like a, a government who provides services to its people. Um, and so, you know, any way that you can, any way that you can provide help to, to that, I think is a, is a step forward. Okay. Knowledge is power. If it's used in the right way, knowledge by itself is just wasted if it's just sitting in the brain. Well, not wasted totally. It's good to know, but still got to act. All right. Coop, what do you got for us? How about the nature project? What would you, uh, how can folks support the work that you guys are doing? Yeah, uh, we're growing org. Uh, you know, we are changing the model. I think we're getting to a really impactful model uh, where we're really spending, you know, all of our resources directly on, you know, vulnerable moments with the kids and hopefully being that great role model that some of them could use. So, um, you know, any any financial donation would obviously be amazing and helpful. Uh, TheNatureProject.org, no, you know, uh, punctuation or anything is a great place to learn more and, and, and donate if willing. Um, 
we also, you know, can always use, you know, athletes that really feel like they could be passionate about this topic, you know, would be great with athlete, uh, great with, you know, high school youth and really, you know, great kind of big brother mentality or, or persona um, that also, you know, would be willing and, and open to trying some, some new outdoor activities. So those are two great ways. Um, and then just in the word, you know, if you get outside, just hashtag and, you know, get outside, opt outside, the nature project, whatever it might be, but just kind of promote people spending more time because, you know, it's not just kids, it's every single human being. The more you spend time outside, I promise you, the the more kind, aware, and just generally like optimistic and happy person you are. So uh, all of those things. Yeah, all good. So uh, do you want to tell them about links and other stuff? Uh, well, we she will ask you or I will. So just like the donation page and all that. So when we get done. Yeah, we'll have it linked in the show notes. So if you guys can just send that to us for yeah. both of you. Yeah, anything in the show notes that you guys would like to include in there that we will do that. I'll include the Google link to how to Google tribes around me. I know we all need a little assistance. <laughs> yeah, a little help there. Uh, and then just we'll encourage and always challenge. So uh, George will be making a donation as he does every week for Nature Project. So we'll do that and love to see people match that. So if folks are interested in that, they can sure hit us up on our info page or on the website as well. So uh, any other kind of final thoughts? Ryan, anything we haven't talked about you want to make sure we've covered? Or But thank you very much for being with us and appreciate everything that you've shared today. I mean, we, we covered so much and I'm just, I just want to say that I'm really grateful to, to Cooper for reaching out to us and making this happen. I think it was just such a, you know, the, the start of what I hope is a really strong relationship. And I think it's such a great organization and I think the mission is, is really worthy and important. And I want to thank you guys for uh, giving us the opportunity to talk about it, to be here today and, you know, kind of promote that, promote that mission and, and give me an opportunity to talk a little bit about, um, a little bit about my tribe and the, the youth and the, the work that we're doing. So thank you very much. Okay. Coop, anything else? Yeah, I couldn't, couldn't have said it better, man. Uh, thank you to you. You're doing really the, the hard, hard work uh, every single day, day in out for all of the right reasons. So thank you for being willing to host us and bring us on and obviously join this, this, sh- the whole Kittle family. You two are doing a great job at the podcast. Uh, in the first three shows, um, you're killing it. So keep it up. It's really important. I have a battle is just spreading the word. Um, and there's so many, you know, groups doing the, doing the hands-on work and not enough groups providing layer of just awareness where and, and using, you know, their platform to do it. Really appreciate you guys and great getting to know you a little. Okay. Well, we've enjoyed it too. And then I guess to the extent that you get something, you know, after COVID, you know, if you're in the Bay area, let us know. So we're certainly out there. Uh, and as you know, George will be to OTAs and all that kind of time period. So we could squeeze some stuff. And let in. us know when you're going to hike next. Cause word yeah i am yeah. i'm going i'm going through serious mountain withdrawals right now yeah so we've been we, we were thinking about trying to get one in in cali but it just didn't work we out keep with trying fires and but stuff, so. fires yeah so i yeah. did whitney whitney's great if you ever had a chance to do it whitney's awesome okay so yeah well we're gonna we'll give that a shot cali um okay. yeah love it and sometime down there maybe you'll, you'll, you'll show me how to do the right circle because that would be a huge asset well, so. I, not not right or wrong they're all effective they're just good they're just there is some traditional Our practices ways. we'll teach you what we do yeah so it's, uh, anytime you gather people and they're talking from the heart it's all good so however you i love it, it it's all good so all right that. guys thank, thank you be safe take care thank you so much for all your time love right. it. Thanks, thank guys. you okay bye-bye bye appreciate it All right, closing thoughts. Um, So what we've heard in the last couple of episodes is how racism 
It impacts how people trust and accept the help that we are trying to provide to them now. And so we have to see the layers and the depth in people and how we can't just judge how people respond to us and how we need to be patient with people. And I think this is something that I am just going to straight out say it that I never thought about before. Um, And the mistrust of systems, because I personally have not been affected in that way. And yes, I have seen other people, but the thing that keeps coming up for me is like, no matter how much help we reach out to people and how much we think that we're doing good, we have to factor in how much systemic issues people were raised with and how much pain and how much trauma and how much fire that people might still be living with. And so I just hope this comes as an extra reminder to not judge people and to be patient with people and to not act like we know the entire story. Cause I think that's where everybody shoots themselves in the foot. Like we think that we can go online and that we can look on Instagram and we can think that we know a person based off of what they post, right? Like we see those six first Instagram posts and we're like, Oh yeah, they're this and this and this. And we truly have absolutely no idea. So just a reminder to be patient and to vote because our country is on fire yeah and just i would just extend it so appreciate that so certainly with marginalized populations and typically oppressed populations but it's kind of true for i mean in some extent just let's just be kind and not assume we know everybody's story because everybody's going through something but those situations are certainly a lot more complicated and have a lot more depth to them than so many of us might realize and that was part of working from you know non-racism to being an ally is part of that educational process and being open to that discovery. So just encourage folks, as you're hearing some of these things, then just, you know, keep an open mind, keep an open heart, and uh, we're working toward understanding each other and lifting each other up. And again, core belief for us is that we're all stronger together, embracing the diversity and differences that we have, and we can go forward. But we have to see, hear, and talk to everyone who's sitting at our table, not just the people that we've heard from before. And I think that that's where we get a little hung up and something, I feel like victory programs last week just like hit it so hard on the head where they're like, you have to talk to and try to help everyone who's sitting at the table in the way that they need to be helped and not just assume. So thinking about Ryan and the Tulalip tribe, like there are so many things that we can research and learn about or even tribes around you, like figure out how they want to be helped. Don't assume that it's how you want to help them. So I just think we need to be aware of that. That's what Emma thinks. Emma is very (laughs) feisty about this because I'm just so over people assuming that we know what's best for other people. All right. Uh, We are in uh, the seventh step of the eighth step pathway to mindfulness mindfulness and awareness. Map. so last week we talked about having a clear vision and you guys remember the process. So I won't go through the whole thing. You can watch the other ones or hit us. Our stuff is online. Circle. But, yep. But anyway, uh, so this week though, step seven is what we call courageous action. So once you've cleared the mind, you're doing the breath work, connect the body, you do all those kind of things. We talked about compassionate heart and then the clarity of vision. So you start to be able to see things for yourself and for the future and for others. The next part is courageous action. So the courageous action piece comes Again, it's kind of a two-part thing. There's always kind of the internal and then there's the external. So for the internal, it's about knowing yourself and understanding what your values are. 
So, and then it's making a commitment to live in alignment with your values. So each of us have had situations in our life where we have an identity, or at least we think we know who we are, and yet we engage in behavior. Maybe it's thoughts, maybe it's emotions, whatever, but behavior is the one that kind of pulls our trigger. And that is not consistent with who we think we are as a person. So, and it happens. So aside from what to do to get over that, (laughs) the piece is though, if you don't know your values and you don't know who you are as a person, you don't have an identity clearly defined for yourself and a vision, then you don't know when you're living out of alignment, but your body and your spirit and your emotion and your mind, they do know. And so you will get this feeling of being disconnected, disjointed, and all of those other kind of things. So the more clarity you can bring through that clear vision about what your values are, who you want to be as a person, where you're going, what your philosophy are, is, and all that kind of stuff, then you can set it up and then you strive to live in that. And it takes courage to do that. It really does. So there are times in life where we don't want to do one thing or we know we shouldn't or should and all that kind of stuff. And our values and knowing ourselves allows it. So that's the internal courage. The external courage, and I'll just put it this way, we've been talking about it throughout the entire podcast and our mission statement is all about uh, telling the untold stories of the people and communities who have experienced social and environmental injustice. And so the external is about doing justice. So live those values doing out. Doing justice. Live those values out beyond yourself. So we can't, none, none of us can change the entire world all by ourselves. Or there's a few people with big superpowers and all that. But the more we live in alignment with those values that we have, and we can share those with other people, we can ta- start to expand kind of our own little influence. And where you see injustice, where you see, we heard about bullying today, uh, in situations where people didn't act out or step up and say something. So this is just encouragement, and that takes courage. It does. I, and I know the world's a frightening place right now. There's a lot of divisiveness. There's a lot of what feels like hatred being spewing out there and that kind of stuff. And so, one, we don't want to be kind of agents of that, but we want to respond to it when we can and where we're we at. So that's the courageous action piece. The whole thing about this is not just an internal mindfulness kind of piece. The mindfulness takes us out into the world in order to live those values in a clear and conscious way. So that's the mindful minute for because this week. Emma? What's okay, I have two points. Just going <laughs> off of that is number one, something that my yoga teachers always said to me was, um, like we're not realistically, like we're not just these monks that are going to go sit in a cage, like people who practice mindfulness. Now you're not just someone who is going to go and isolate yourself. So the practice of mindfulness, when it is not applied to your external life is not mindfulness. Because if in my head, if in my bedroom, when I'm sitting and I'm meditating and I'm in my little sacred space, I can be as woohoo and Yahoo and everything. And I can think like peace, love, whatever. But then when I go out and I am I'm going to swear, but if I'm a bitch or if I am rude or if I take advantage or if I judge someone based off of anything, if I'm mean to my mother, if I am short with her or I am anything, if I go out into the community and I cut someone off or I honk at someone or I flip someone off while I'm driving or I am a just jerk to somebody who is at the checkout line or somebody in the service industry, how is that mindfulness? How is that practicing any sort of mindfulness or actually applying it. And this is, it gets so under my skin because people who practice or who preach this whole righteousness and who act like they're doing the good work and that it's a big deal and that they post it on social media and yada, 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 yet behind the scenes are judgmental or rude or short with people and do not actually apply it to their life, in my opinion, have a absolute shit mindfulness practice. (laughs) 
Well, in, and the, number two. in, in the spirit of freedom and non-judgment. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> if you want to be that way, live in a cave. Okay. Live in a cave. Maybe quarantine was best for you. Right? And number two. Number two. Number two. I think it's really important. The thing that took my self-awareness, and I feel like this was like, so I just turned 30. Yoo-hoo. Um, but I think this was a process of growing up for me where I, some, it was the process of hearing those ideas, like hearing mindfulness, hearing courageous action and actually saying, okay, wait a second, like stopping, breathing, listening, and putting the actual intent behind these feelings, right? Because we all have these feelings. We have these emotional reactions. And in a lot of like personal development books I've listened to, I've read, um, they call it pings, right? So it's like in your gut. It's like that gut feeling when you're like, okay, this is right, this is wrong. Mostly, I mostly feel them when this is wrong, right? Like you get that feeling where you're like, like whoa. And it like actually kind of jolts you and you're like, this isn't right, like something's wrong. In those moments, I feel like the process of maturing and actually internalizing and taking it from an internal internal feeling or experience and making it external and making it actually applicable to everything else around you is the ability to recognize that feeling, put emotion to it, and then having the courage, having the courage to do something with it. Because I know that I have felt something. I have had my gut react to something so many times, and I have decided not to do something about it because I know that if I take action on it, it's going to change the course of my life. It's going to affect a relationship. Somebody's not going to like me because of it. But at the end of the day, going to swear again. Well, no, I'm not. I just don't give a F about what those people think about me anymore because I don't want to be around people who don't live courageously and who don't stand for what they say. So please, people, this is such a heated time and our world is, I've said this three times in the podcast now, on fire that we can't just sit back and act like things are going to change without us taking action. So this isn't the time to not be courageous. Like This is the time that you step up and put your superhero tights on and kick some ass. <laughs> there you have it. So superhero tights. I avoid the cape. I've never been a cape guy. You guys watch the... No, you're going to get sucked into an airplane. The yeah, superhero the fa- video? The super, what the f- you can be a lucha. You can be a halo. halo. You can be... S- What's his face? Steve Austin. Stone Cold Steve Austin. You can be a George Kittle. You can be a Philip Forsberg. You can be whatever you need to be. You can be the beautiful bald Bruce that's over here, or you can be me. Or I'm a rock star too. Or you can be beautiful you. Yeah. So we offer all of this in love and encouragement. So, uh, you know, don't be, uh, you know, it's a process. So it really is. It's a process, but there's also... We're running out of time There's to a, go through our processes. All right. Well, everybody's in a different stage. So anyway, we're, we're going to continue working on our process. And we thank I'm going to go for, meditate after we this. We thank you for watching. And uh, that's the Mindful Minute for this week. So thank Stick you. Stick around for Ask George. Woo! Play my music. Okay, okay, okay. Welcome back, Mrs. Kittle. 
I'm um, very hello. thankful. Can we get a cheers? Hello, wife. Uh, for this hello, podcast, husband. we're very excited. We have Claire's husband on the show. This is what you're labeled on the screen now, Claire's husband. I would just like to announce to the world. Yeah. Yeah, who do you think did it? Oh, you're cute. Keep it up, sport. Okay, let's points, George. Let's jump right into it. So, first of all, let's just, how much do you love George's hair right now? I love it. I wish I was in California right now. <laughs> oh, that's a bird sound. Flip it. Flip it. It's my favorite when they do the slow-mo on game day when you flip it and put your helmet on. Georgie, mm. say something, though, so the sound triggers over and then flip it. Louder. You need it to be louder. Yep, I'm past it. Okay. We tried. Couple I hope of that hair, works. couple of hair flips. We're done. Flip it. Flip, flop, flop. It hurts my day. neck. Yeah, Aww. I feel that. Okay. All right. This question. first question is from Mike. It seems like. Hey, Mike. What's what up, up, man? Mike. Seems- Hope you're having a great day. And uh, thank you for listening. We value your ears. And uh, hope you're having a great day. And your fingers for typing this question. Yes. Aww. All right. It seems like big joke passed the baton to you when he retired what was that conversation like and do you still keep in touch gk85 let's effing go that's the oh, hashtag at the end thank, that was also the thank you mike at the end, for getting fired up yeah um, all caps i think what was so great about joe is that um he didn't really just pass the baton on to me he kind of passed it on to our whole team he kind of showed everybody what it was like to be every what like what you had to be like every single day to be great from his work ethic to his mindset, to his attitude, to his leadership. He just kind of did, he did everything right all the time. And um, he just raised the standard for everyone in the locker room. And uh, so now we just try to continue that standard and continue to elevate that standard uh, because we know Joe would elevate. And so that's what we do. There's really a thing about passing on a legacy to players. Like you have to set a standard. And so now that I don't want to say wait, but like that responsibility has been placed on your shoulders. Thankfully you have very chiseled traps. (laughs) Like I said, he passed the baton on to the whole team. Do I have responsibility? Yeah. Um, My third year of being a captain, something I love. Um, I'm honored to be a captain for my team. Um, So yeah, I mean, I try to, set the standard every single day. And I know that our other captains do the exact same thing with how they perform on a daily basis. And it's just fun to be in a locker room with a bunch of guys that all have the same goals and, you know, all, all have very high standards for their level, their own level of play. So the second part of the question was you stay in contact with him. Oh uh, yes. We text probably, you know, every week, once a week, maybe Um, more than Jimmy texts you. Uh, actually, Jimmy's been fantastic. Um, As of late, Jimmy has been fantastic. So you're saying we should have Jimmy on the podcast once a month? Yeah, sure. Um, he won't text me back that much, but no. So just every once in a while with Joe, um, just if it, thoughts bounced off my head, I think he can answer. He's a he's he's a fun guy to talk to because he does have a different way of seeing things sometimes. Love it. Okay, so this next question is from Spencer Heath. Spencer and I went to high school together. What up, my boy? Um, Okay, so Spencer actually, it was hilarious. Uh, In it, it, 
in our form, our intake form, it says, how did you find out about us? And he's like, says, went to high school with Emma has been following Bruce and George. And then he goes, and Bruce also told me that I sent me an email asking me to ask a question. So, um, appreciate, <laughs> appreciate, that's funny. Appreciate Bruce is Spencer. putting out feelers. Yeah. Bruce is putting it out. Um, so way to show up. So we asked five questions. So we're going to ask just a couple. Um, okay. Real quick. First Spencer, shout out local legends, Snapchat group. It's oh an gosh. honor to be a part of that group. Um, Bless. But uh, other than that, what's up? Let's go. <laughs> Read the question. Uh, Are you ready now? Okay. All right. Who is ready. the most famous person or the person that you idolize that has now asked you for your autograph? Or who are some, and then also who are some of the idols that you've met? Yeah. So this goes for both of you because you different you definitely like run in different circles now. Um. Well, like just like trading jerseys with someone count. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look at the wall behind us. Yeah, I mean, like Travis Kelsey's jersey that was that was a big deal for me. Um, I was that was huge. That was a Christmas present too, so that was that was sick. Um, that was awesome, and I, I think that was that was from uh, that was his game jersey from like when they clinched the playoffs or something. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, uh, and Phil. Was twenty eighteen. Oh, Phil's winter um, classic. We have jersey. Phil's bobblehead, Phil's big jersey, and Phil's hockey stick. And then we brought yeah. home another Phil hockey stick yeah. from your apartment. So we I have two that. Phil hockey sticks. Oh, we have three. Good. Just kidding. Um, another one. I'm in the process of trading jerseys with Dallas Clark, who's a tight end that I grew up watching, and I love playing with him. So I'll have a Colts oh, jersey. That's cool. That's sick. So I'm that one's that's a big one for me as well because I'm a huge Dallas Clark fan. Um. I, don't know, I think those are those are two big ones that uh, I know I can't I'm think of very anybody excited who, about. Who's famous? Who asked for your autograph when that I was standing there? I'm just trying to think of other people. Other what about you, players. Claire? I mean, let's just talk Instagram famous. No. The tiny. Oh, she's she's cool. She's awesome. Um, I've signed two George Kittle jerseys <laughs> on the back. You signed a baby one time. I did. I I took a video of it. I know oh. I have the video somewhere. But that's all. What do you guys do when I'm not around? Dude, it was a playoff game. This is when we we're actually in the stadium and somebody figured out who Claire was. And I say no first, but. It, okay, this little child, somebody presented with a child first. Don't do that. It's not fair. Don't yeah. do that to us. But exactly, George, just like that. But um, it was so cute because it was a little baby Kittle jersey and they I just know. asked Claire to sign it. You don't want that. That's usually what I say. You don't. You you don't. You don't want me to do that. But she love it. But they do. But they do, and they did. It's very cute. I know I have the video. I'll find it. I'll flash it up if I can. Um, love that. Okay, so uh, next question is. Oh, actually, uh, we got a wedding invitation this week uh, from Brendan. Uh, guess where he's from? Canada. Iowa, Canada. He's from Toronto. Oh, Canada. hey. That was a good yeah. guess. Um, and he wants to know. So first of all, we are invited to his wedding. We, because Brendan, since you sent it through my email address, I am, uh, I mean, he only invited it to Claire and George, but if they're going, I'm going. So what's no. up, dog? I don't know. We'll check the list. Yeah, we'll see. And then uh, maybe if it works out, I've never actually been to Toronto, so that'd be sick. Um, and he wants to know, so let's start with Claire. Where is one place that you both want to vacation to most when it is safe to travel again? Oh, man. Where do wait, I even start? Are we, wait, real quick. Are we done with Spencer's questions then? You said he had five. Yeah, we weren't. We he did, but then I. Oh, okay. So then you called an audible. Okay. Who asked this question again? Sorry. Brendan. The sorry, Brendan. On, sorry, Spence. Yeah. Brendan. Yeah, this is from Brendan. Hi, Brendan. 
What's up, man? Thanks for writing a question in. I'm not a show pony. (laughs) I also want to clarify, though, we got a lot of questions saying, what's with the Australian accent? It's definitely not Australian. Listen, it's Canadian. It's and if it's sounds you Australian, Canadian. we're obviously butchering it, and we're American, and we're not trying to. Yeah, you should have heard my British accent today. All right, picking so, up faucet. Summer that I would love, 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 love to travel again is Cabo. I love Cabo. It's easy, huge it's Cabo fast. guy. You can go it's there. A great, it's open. You it's say a that great in vacation. every episode. Huge Cabo guy. Huge Cabo guy. I will go there as long as I can. Love it. Great weather. Great food. Great views. A lot of stuff to do. Or you can do absolutely nothing and still have a great time. Yes. Me me and Claire spent a whole week down there. Like left. We went from our room to the workout facility to the pool. And that was it for a week. And it was incredible. Mm -hmm. I agree. I love Cabo. Tell us, Claire. We're still working on broadening broadening George's travel horizons a bit. He's trying to fight me on it. I love Cabo, okay? Let's think a little bit further. Everyone knows I love Italy, so I would love to be able to go to Italy and marry this man, but we shall see. Uh, Just for the record, they're already married. We're already married, but. I haven't put a wedding dress on yet. And Claire just got her official Kittle passport. Oh yeah, my passport in came in today. today. Let's ride. Then we Let's can travel. Ride. Hey. He's frozen. <laughs> oh. He's frozen with excitement. <laughs> um, I don't know. I hate when you do that, George. I just I love Europe. So that's where I want to go. Oops, sorry. Um Nice. I want to Thank take you, for you the both questions. to Ibiza, Ibiza, Spain. I'm sure I wanted I wanted to do that for my bachelor party, and Claire said no. <laughs> it's awesome. You may still not even have a bachelor party, so Cabo it is. There we go. <laughs> Thank you so much for the questions. They were incredible. All right. Like, uh, so this one made me laugh pretty hard. This is from Jeff Howard. Um, oh, hi, Jeff. Thank you for the questions. Can't wait to answer them. Okay. So a great day. Jeff was talking about, so there's this show and I think it's called hot wings. Um, I accidentally clipped it out when I was printing this, but I think it's called hot wings where they bring people on. It's like a YouTube series and they mm-hmm. bring people on and they have them test and they go through different layers of hot wings. And it's first starts as very like barbecue mild. And then it progresses yep. into like devil's piss or something. It's like, that's the name of it insane i'm not i made that one up i don't know but it's like i mean it just devil's piss who wants it's up it's crazy okay i know that there is something there well if there's not let's name a hot hot sauce devil's piss or something and then invite emma to come and try devil's piss no i'm not restaurant but what i'm saying is it's either way i've painted a picture of a terrifyingly spicy sauce and that's what it progresses to yeah yeah, I, I know. It. I know what the show is. Would you ever Very be hot. on that show? No. He doesn't like hot stuff. I hate spicy food. So it kills me. So that's the next part of the question. Tell us how you no. both feel about hot wings. I, I like barbecue and I like ranch. I like, hate spice. Yeah, I'm not a big spice Zero guy Zero spice all. here. Yeah, I'm good. Mm-mm. That's it's why tough. we work, baby. 
No yeah, I don't like season. I don't like to I don't want to sweat when I eat. Like I want to enjoy either. it. Like, gosh, then you don't yeah, even taste question, anything though. after that. It's like no taste buds. I Your like taste buds. Barbecue sauce. I like ranch. I like ranch. <laughs> I love honey I like mustard. Plain. Ooh, yeah. Honey my mustard is my favorite. gonna be ice cold. I love you guys. All right, last so question. She's supposed to be oh, last question. No, 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 no. How no, do you take your no. coffee from Amanda? Chai black. tea latte. If I'm eating, if I'm drinking coffee, I drink black coffee. That's true. He does. Yeah, I like black coffee. But you like um, vanilla chais? Oh yeah, no pumpkin spice, pumpkin spice chai tea lattes, oh. vanilla chai tea. Woo! We're getting seasonal. That stuff is candy. It's also like a thousand calories, so it's basically a protein shake for me. Oh, mm-hmm. it's awesome. Screw Minus you. the protein, but yes. Oh yeah, it's just calories, mm-hmm. which made calories I just need. We know. Okay, Wait, so who asked that question? Amanda. Hi, Amanda. Thank you so much for, for asking that question. I enjoyed answering it. You should, okay. you should ask another question. Any? Oh, also for the numbers, uh, people are getting close. Oh, finally? There's one family. No, don't say the number though. I'm not going to say anything else. Y'all are getting close, but you're not there. So you're not getting the gloves yet. So keep guessing. Uh, we have a few more weeks. Um, okay, so. Are giving another guess? You want to give I'm another like, number? Yeah, what do we have? So four, we have four, six, six and, the, and the last number is nine. You want to give the okay. second to last number? Um, it's zero. I wish that was longer. All right, so first two numbers are four, six. There's four numbers in the middle we don't know, and there's zero nine on the back end. There we go. Thank you, guys. Okay, so thank you, everybody. That was week eight. 49ers are at Seattle. Thank you very much. Thank you, George. Thank you, Claire. Thank you, Claire's husband. Thank you, Tiny Batman. Thank you, Will, Cooper, Ryan, BK. Um, Also, I've been getting a lot of messages from everybody talking about how can you guys get involved. And I know that this is a really crazy time with COVID and the pandemic and just all the crazy shit that's happening in our world. So, but what I want you to know is that our goal with this podcast is to start raising money so that we can donate even, we can give even bigger donations than we are right now. So to keep giving and keep growing and keep expanding our reach and what we can do. And so if you cannot donate, which is totally fine, you can like, you can comment, you can share because we can rack up views and listens and downloads through our podcast. And then we can use those resources to dive in and go really deep with the organizations. And so maybe that doesn't even happen until next season, but we want you to know that that's our goal. And every time you guys like, every time you guys download, every time you guys share or promote us, that's what happens. And that's what we get to do is to really and you promote. Can talk about it. And you can talk oh, about it. Talk about the cause, talk about the podcast. Yeah. yeah. And it means so much. And so this week, Claire and I are figuring out, how we're going to do a giveaway because we are over a thousand likes on Instagram. Actually, we're almost to 2,000. Followers. Followers. And we're at a bunch of downloads on our podcast. And we want to say thank you to all of you. So please pay attention to our Instagrams. Um, do not forget to vote. Holy nutsack. Ooh. This is a really, really big week for everybody. Um, so please be aware of that. Do some witchy shit. Make sure you do some tor- sort of ritual stuff. There's a blue moon coming up. It's Halloween. Like, <laughs> yeah, just okay, this yeah. is a really intense period of time. Do not fall asleep on it. Get a journal. Write it down. Well, thank you so much for having me. Shout out Wooga Booga. Thank you for your listening skills and your Xbox ability. Wooga Booga, Vom Squad. Booga. Ah.
All right. Thanks, everyone. That's episode yeah. eight. Cheers. Cheers. Love you. Love you. Love you. Love y'all. Bye. Good night. Love you. Hey. Sir. Hey. Hey. Uh.